plots of land and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please. Don't fence me Morning this morning, everybody. Happy Monday to all of you. And oh yeah, we're gonna have a lot of lot of gun ads this morning. Yeah, they're they're gun ads. And the reason why we're gonna have a lot of gun ads is because I'm gonna play you a lot of sound that is from a variety of different websites. Usually like Breitbart is where I get a lot of my riot sound, which was in abundance over the weekend. As we had in D.C. and beyond and Charlottesville, all all these places where apparently there were these uh, marches, but Antifa was going absolutely crazy and beating on people and hitting people and Black Lives Matter was going nuts and antagonizing the police. Apparently, this whole thing on the anniversary of Charlottesville and beyond became a matter of just hating on the police. So you're going to hear a lot of gun ads on top of hearing a lot of uh, cuss words, unfortunately, because that's what these morons do. So there's a lot of that going on. 
and we will certainly uh, be following up on that. Also, Cason, I'm going to call him just a little later on and see if he can account for all of his uh, fellow lefties and what they're doing on the streets out there. If you if you are a liberal, you can't possibly think that this is all a good idea. And I'm I know for a fact there are many liberals who don't, but. Folks, these people are not doing you any favors in the run-up to uh, 2018 election. That's for sure in uh, November. That is for sure. So we got that. We got NBC ignoring one of its own reporters being attacked by protesters. So we have that going for us. And we have de Blasio talking about how terrible the, the Trump is and he's breeding racism and all this kind of stuff. Nancy Pelosi doing all the same. And we have also – we. Very interestingly enough, we have uh, Lindsey Graham, who has really done a service to the White House by standing up for President Trump, uh, where normally sometimes he wouldn't always. He is this time, so I'm glad to to see it. And also, did you guys see this guy who hijacked the airplane? The guy who – well, he didn't really hijack the airplane. He hopped in one and wound up flying it around, and it was a real – you know, it was a turboprop airplane. The guy just took it off the, the damn fleet. It was buzzing around for a little while until he finally killed himself. But, man, this is unbelievable. Also, I have some tape for you all just in case you think that our American men and women are still uh, are not fighting overseas for us. This firefight in Afghanistan is unbelievable. These people are ambushed. And I think a lot of this is forgotten by Americans who forget that the fact is we have people who are still battling over there, still fighting over there, and in this case, getting in these pretty wicked firefights. And so it gives you a little sense of uh, gravity when it comes to what really is uh, going on over there in Afghanistan. And I hope we never forget about these guys, but I think some of you will be surprised to know that there are people under fire every single day. Hope you had a good weekend. And I got to tell you, it seemed like all of St. Louis was rooting for Tiger Woods. And I'm glad because I was hoping that Tiger Woods was going to pull this off. But I do have to tell you that it's pretty astounding that he got as far as he did, considering, first of all, he doesn't play a whole lot. And secondly, he is, uh, you know, he's old. You know, I mean, he's he's been around the block, but man, was he playing well? And it was kind of really cool to see the St. Louisans rooting so heavily for him and, and so much for him. And and, I, and he wound up doing a, a great job, but didn't quite make the cut. But good for Tiger Woods and uh, good for golf. I mean, I've never really been much of a golf guy because I haven't had the I never had the time to play golf. And the fact that there's a lot of people. When they play golf, you get nowadays you got to play eighteen holes. You know, people just don't play nine holes anymore. Just go out and hit it. They just have to pay eighteen. And, and with kids and all that kind of stuff, I found uh, in the in the long run, it was like I couldn't take five hours out of my day to to play golf. Uh, usually, it would be upwards then at that point of, of of about six hours, and I just couldn't. I couldn't justify it for some reason, but I, not that I hate golf or I don't have anything against golf, but I'm just saying sometimes it just was not something I could uh, necessarily justify in my head or, or, or for that matter in the, uh, oh, what did I just do here? Hang on. 
Oh, I touched the wrong button. Just want to hear the theme again. Why is it doing that? Oh. It came off of my... It came off my uh, Mac top, Mac MacBook. It was like my ghost, my ghost theme just kept started playing off my Mac, my MacBook. I'm a mess, but anyway, I, I just never really had the time to, to to play, so that's the only reason. But I I loved kind of the whole vibe, and I loved. I think St. Louis really uh, showed up and had quite the uh, display there, and it was cool to see a lot of people rooting for Tiger. I did have one guy who was telling me about this new book out about Tiger Woods and and it was it was fairly critical of him and and it's kind of like and he was talking about how terrible of a person Tiger Woods is and I, I don't know the dude I think came out of a pretty crazy parenting situation and I you know I I don't it's none of my business what he does in his private life anyway. It's none of anybody's business, to tell you the truth. And so uh, as, lo- as long as he's entertaining and as, as far as I'm concerned, plays golf well and entertains the masses, who cares what he does? And, I mean, obviously people have standards. I get it. But I've never really believed, for instance, that athletes have a responsibility to be, uh, thank you, Margaret. She loves loves the mess. Thank you, dear. I appreciate that. You're very forgiving, all of you. Love that. I, I've never really believed that that athletes have the responsibility of being of being role models for kids. Uh, you know, obviously, there are a lot of kids who don't have moms or dads or what have you, and I I understand that. I get it, and I get that there are some individuals who. Uh, you know, otherwise you'd you'd want them to maybe fill the void or give somebody some hope. And I, I get there are, that there are people who we all respect and love and admire, and I I think that's good. That's good for kids to grow up learning uh, about leadership and about people and about skills and and love that. But I've never really expected players to be football players or otherwise to be. Uh, role models for my kids or anybody else for that matter. And so when you criticize somebody's comportment, whether it be on the field or, or whatever else, uh, that's fine. But, but, but don't make it out to be like they owe you comportment or good behavior. Now, they owe the team that because the team is paying them. They owe the, the, the city that because the city, they're representing the city. But they don't owe me that, it, you know, and, and if I don't want to watch him, I won't watch him. This whole thing with the with the NFL national anthem thing, I'm telling you, folks, are you not tired of this issue yet? Are you not? Are you not? Are we really going to go through another fall where we have to worry about what the friggin NFL football players are doing with the national anthem? I mean, these guys have jumped the shark in a major way. And yeah, Kara points out at least Tiger isn't making political statements. Really, I mean, honestly, you know, t- Tiger basically keeps to himself, plays golf, doesn't talk to a whole lot of people. Is not always you know very fun loving with the media. But who cares? It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not Tiger Woods's responsibility to suck up to the media. But yeah, Kara, you're right. Isn't it? Re- isn't it a relief that we have somebody just going out there and and playing ball? You know, playing golf, doing doing what you're doing, and not saying anything. That's the one. That's the one cool thing about golf 
it seems, you got to hand it to the golf people. You know, the, the, the broadcasters all wear, uh, you know, ties and coats, you know, when, when they're on the, on the air and it's, it's, there's a very, there's a regality about it and, and, and a regalness about it. And, and there's, there's some, you don't know, it, it, it seems like it's kind of like a, a sport that is not very invasive and the, the guys who are playing the sport don't yap and talk and, you know, talk politics or whatever. So yeah, it's to, the, to that degree, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. It's, it's pretty, um, pretty cool. And so, yeah. To Kara's point, and it's a good one. Hey, at least at least he's not out there yapping about Donald Trump or something. You know, it's just like wow. Finally, we can just watch something, take it in. No one says anything controversial or weird, and and uh, we're off to the races. But anyway, to the to the national anthem thing. Are we really ready for for another round of national anthem controversy? I mean, are we not sick of this? I mean, at this point. I don't care what these guys do. And and to tell you the truth, I've never really been much of a uh, critic or anything of President Trump and his tweets. And I still really don't care that much. But I'd rather him just not engage these guys at this point. It's just this is just not something we we just really want to go around to again, this national anthem deal. I just I'm so sick of it. And it's getting so laborious. It's getting so tiresome. And these football players apparently are so needy. They have to make another big deal about this. And, you know, listen, if the league isn't going to do anything about it, these teams are going to do it. I thought they told them they have to anyway. I, I, now I can't even remember what they said about the thing. I thought it was all done last year. And lo and behold, boom, here we go again with this with this thing again. And I just, I just don't want to have to worry about it anymore. Do we even see the national anthem in the beginning anyway? Let these spoiled, rotten brats make a fool of themselves and and, and go for it. So some of you are wondering, uh, yeah, Lise, of course, you're right. Stop giving them attention. And God love him, President Trump. Listen, man, you know, even even if you want to tweet about LeBron James, I'll I'll let you do that for a little while. I want you to do that for a little while, but please do not engage these football. All they want to do is have you criticize them, and then so they can all call you racist and whine about that all over again. Man, is that crazy? Did you see though too uh, this uh, Amorosa thing? That's another that's another thing that I think we're going to truly be tired of rapidly because she apparently has tape and she and she and she does have I listened to the tape of Kelly getting rid of her and apparently there's something nefarious about all that because and and actually Good Morning America actually did not such a bad job this week on this week on on their Sunday show not didn't do too bad of a job being balanced about all this but that's another one we're going to get tired of rapidly, this Amorosa individual. Now, this is another example of where I think President Trump uh, – yeah, Melissa just gave up watching the NFL. Yeah, I mean, let's do it that way. Just just stop – let's just stop, stop having to hear about this stuff. If you don't want to watch the NFL, don't watch the NFL. They really died off fast last year. And let them, let them pay for it again. And, and uh, if, they, if they don't – love this country or want to stand up for the country, then they can stick it as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, 
this is an example of where I think President Trump has listen, he was new to the game. He's not an entrenched politician. We love that about him. But what you're going to get when you have somebody of his ilk, of his kind, businessman from Queens, kind of a happy-go-lucky guy, I think that President Trump is a guy who trusts people first as opposed to last. I don't think he's a, he's a big vetter of individuals. I think he runs a lot on instinct, which is, in my opinion, paying off big for the United States of America and has paid off big for the United States of America. So I think I like the fact that he operates on instinct. I like the fact that he is a guy who has gut feelings about something, that he, that he goes with his gut sometimes. It's not always going to play out the way we want it to. We still have to figure out like what's going to happen with all this tariff stuff and things like that. And people said, I'm sure somebody said, hey, Reagan did it. You can do it too, and, and maybe there wasn't much thought to it. We'll see how that all thing plays out. But for the most part, President Trump and his instincts have paid off greatly for the U.S. and greatly for us. Sometimes, though, they don't always work out well for him. And the fact that he had this Omarosa mess of a mental case in his White House as close as he did is really kind of astounding, to tell you the truth. And because she's a former apprentice contestant and didn't make it, and that should have that should have made sure that she wasn't in the White House to begin with. Because you never know; these people always have a little bit of an axe to grind. But yeah, Trisha, she's a lunatic, and President Trump made a mistake inviting her into the White House. But then again, President Trump was probably trying to do something nice. Probably worked on his instincts a little bit and said, "Yeah, you know, let's give her a chance." Blah blah blah. We'll see how it goes, you know, that kind of thing. It's kind of like with Manafort. Manafort, you know, remember when he first came on as President Trump's campaign guy, you just looked at the guy and you're like, hmm, he kind of looks like a goomba to me. But knock yourself out, President Trump. Uh, and it turned didn't turn out well for him. But I think we all kind of looked at Manafort. For some reason, There, was, something wasn't right about him. I do think he's getting screwed on this on this indictment in this case, because I think he's getting charged. He's on trial for something. Most people just, uh, that, that no one's ever been tried on. But, but the fact of the matter is he was, a, he did kind of seem a little, I don't know. But anyway, Omarosa. So this week does a pretty good job, I think, on reporting the story. But they left out a few things. And I'll, I'll play you the little bit where they're talking about where he her also and, uh, responded directly for the first time to his former advisor, Amarosa Monagal Newman, who calls him a racist in her new book. Low life. She's a low life. The former reality show villain. Amarosa has to go. You're fired. Rose up to be the highest ranking African-American in the White House, only to be fired late last year. Asked by TMZ if the president's attacks on athletes are causing tensions with the black community. He wants to start a race war. Okay. Would you say that? Yeah, well, what, what are they asking her about black athletes for? And whether they're causing tension. And, she, and, and she's, he wants to start a race war. This woman is out of her tree. And a, and a money grubber, too. Would you say the president is a racist right now? Um, is it fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it fair to say the president's a racist? Oh, yeah, sure. That's great. <laughs> Listen, buddy, if you have any doubt whether it's fair to say, it probably isn't. Um, 
Is it fair to say? Absolutely. According to the Washington Post, which has an advanced copy of her book titled Unhinged. What kind of question, by the way, is that from a journalist when they're asking an individual, a, 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 a newsmaker, a question? Is it fair to say? I mean, is that that's kind of leading the witness, wouldn't you say? I, I would imagine that at some point, if there was a trial going on and one of the attorneys said, is it fair to say blah, 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 and, there, and there's somebody on the witness stand, at that point, the other attorney would surely raise an objection and we object your honor to that trump is a quote racist bigot and misogynist (laughs) of course he is i mean anything else amorosa you want to you want to throw into the cauldron that you're stirring right now bigot and misogynist the white house bashing her book calling it riddled with lies and false accusations and can we talk about amorosa who the president just these are people by the way who when Omarosa was in the White House, the news media treated her like she was just a token and she was not credible. And remember when she first was in the White House and she actually was uh, interviewed on shows and things, she was roundly dismissed as a person who didn't have any credibility because she was just a former reality TV show contestant who was one of Donald Trump's token blacks. That was the criticism of her. Now suddenly she writes a book and she's Moses. Pretty unbelievable. Low life, considering she's already changed her story. Now keep in mind, this is a pretty fair exchange to tell you the truth when you when you listen to it and when you when you hear these guys uh, talk about her. It's a fairly fair exchange. It's pretty unusual for uh, for the Sunday Low news life. shows considering she's already changed her story, John, how damaging could this book be? Or do you expect people to presume that she's just a disgruntled employee with an ax to grind? Well, she has serious credibility problems. I mean, she told us just last December that the president is absolutely not a racist, that she would never have worked for a racist. So, <laughs> so, so that's a little bit of a problem. Yeah. When just last December, Less than a year ago, you were telling these guys that President Trump is not a racist and she would never work for a racist. And they wound up having to fire her, by the way. So presumably, at some point, she must have determined that President Trump was the racist and the misogynist that she relays in the book before John Kelly went and fired her. I mean, surely, unless... The moment that they were having that exchange, she determined that President Trump was all that, a racist, a misogynist, and a bigot. She must have determined that within a split second because if she told these guys that she would not work for a racist and then had to be pushed out of the White House, that's not someone who seemingly is credible because she was working for a racist and she didn't leave, right? That's under her under her graces. So she's not exactly the most credible uh, critic here, but the thing is- but, but she's not exactly the most credible critic, but we'll take it anyway. She's not really that credible, but you know what? Since she calls President Trump a racist, we'll go ahead and, and, and go with that, shall we? But for the purposes of our news organizations, we're going to go ahead and repeat what she says anyway. That's what these guys are all about. Well, you know, everything he just said there basically destroys her credibility on all levels. 
and yet says, but the most credible uh, critic here. But the thing is, Paula, she was the president's most high profile, prominent senior African-American on his White House staff, which is a, which is shocking. To tell you the truth. And again, that just goes back to President Trump, who is a is a guy who runs on instincts and who and who encircles himself with people that he likes. And sometimes he likes people before he trusts them, to tell you the truth. And and that's just the way he is. It's his personality. It's gonna it's gonna bite him every once in a while. But that's just you know, I, I I've always been that way myself, is I'd rather uh, trust people than mistrust people. And that's just my personality and the way I operate. And if I get screwed by it, then so be it down the line. But generally, you know, I trust people as opposed to uh, mistrust them ahead of time. And for that reason, uh, she can't be ignored. No, no, she can't possibly be ignored because she's saying things that uh, we – agree with about the president. So of course we, we, since she calls him a racist, you can't possibly ignore her. Speaking of, uh, trust. I don't know. We trusted somebody to not take our leg lamp, the leg lamp that was gifted to me by Dr. Deputy. And now the damn thing is gone. Where that went. Can't, we still can't figure out what happened to our leg lamp. It was, it was in the storage room here. And lo and behold, Matt and I are setting the studio up, and we can't find our leg lamp. Don't tell, don't tell uh, Dr. Deputy. Dr. Deputy gave us that gift, although we didn't check back there, did we? Yeah, I can't see it. It's hard, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to miss a leg lamp. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of impossible to lose a leg lamp. I don't know whether you guys saw that thing. It's tall. It's it's a leg. <laughs> it's got fishnet stockings on it and a big old lampshade. And 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 it and it lights up in two different ways. The leg lights up and then the the lamp itself lights up. It looked beautiful right there. And somebody borrowed it. Is that what we call that? Uh, but yeah, somebody borrowed it. Well, we'll we'll figure it out. But if you like, if you guys are noticing a missing lamp, then uh, then yeah, you're you're onto something there because the uh, the lamp is definitely gone. So if you see anybody with a leg lamp anywhere, let us know. See somebody? Yeah, the leg lamp is missing. Yes, Tim, it's gone. Dr. Deputy, uh gave that to me the first day we were going to go on the air or the second day or whatever it was. And we, we've, it's been a staple of it ever since. Yes, yes, Richard, the leg lamp is missing. <laughs> Lisa's like, who steals a leg lamp? I don't know. I, I, get, I don't know whether I can confirm that that's actually stolen. Somebody might have taken it home and thought it was a fun thing. Somebody might have... Uh, might have needed a leg lamp for something. Maybe they had. Maybe they were having one of these uh, these treasure hunts that people have. You know those things that people have at night. You know, they go out and you got to go and find a leg lamp. 
That's, that's, that's on your list of things as you're driving around. Or do they only do that in the suburbs these days where they, uh, you know, those little scavenger, uh, scavenger hunt. Remember those? I used to have people like who call me on the phone or who uh, come by your house. Like, what are you doing here? We're looking for a blah, 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 because we're going we're gonna to scavenge your hunt. Oh, really? Is that a party I wasn't invited to? Yeah, but do you have a, you know, hard-boiled egg? You know, it's, that's how that works. Yeah, the leg lamp is missing, Margaret. We are putting out an all-points bulletin on that one. Did you see during the, the this was an embarrassing weekend for, for the left, and I'm going to call Marcation about that and figure out uh, figure out how, whether or not he he approves of these individuals because these are Black Lives Matter people and and all these other folks who are out there screaming at individuals. This is a counter This is against the D.C. police. This guy screaming at the D.C. police. Keep in mind the language is pretty pretty salty, so I'm, I hope I'm not offending you. But this is the sum total of the left. They decided their march in D.C. following a white nationalist-led rally, whatever that means. I don't even know what a white nationalist is. What is a white nationalist? Is it is it is it like a really a like an Aryan nation like these people dressed up in Hitler garb or whatever. I, I don't even know what a white nationalist is. But apparently anybody who supports Donald Trump who's white is a white nationalist. So I don't even know what that is. Anyway, these guys are screaming and yelling at the police. Black Lives Matter didn't do, uh, uh, didn't do itself any favors either, I got to tell you. But this is the tape of them screaming. Yeah, brother, fuck you. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to play the whole thing for you language wise because, you know, I, I do. I, I know this is a stream and I, and I know this is not FCC regulated, uh, but but I, that doesn't mean I'm just going to let people use the F bomb. But I but just for the purposes of exposition, I'm playing you little little snippets of this. I'll try to keep uh, I'll try to keep it clean as much as they can for you because you, you, I've people when they when they asked me about the stream and the Facebook and they were just like hey you gonna cuss now it's like no I never cussed or you know didn't really cuss when I was on the air in dinosaur radio why would I go and then and it was a show that was very popular so why would I go and then just start cussing on the show so Anyway, I'm not doing that, but I'll, I'll try to keep it as clean as I can because you guys don't need to be subjected to uh, this crap. But I will – I'm happy to play though because thank God for Breitbart because Breitbart always – before every little snippet of audio and tape that they give you on the on the website, they put a gun ad in front of it. It's the, it's the best thing on earth. Let's see what, what ad this is for. Let me see. SnapSafe modular assembly system locks the thick steel exterior together in minutes anywhere in the home. Featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel gun door, safe ad. inch chrome steel live locking bolts, <laughs> digital or mechanical locking options, 9-gauge steel exterior walls, 2300-degree Fahrenheit 1-hour fire shield protection, fully adjustable shelving, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. That'll keep the Black Lives Matter protesters out of your stuff, won't it? 
These are them. These are them surrounding cars and att attacking drivers. Here's another one. Let's see what is this one. Uh, let's see the attacking. Let's see. Uh, this is Black Lives Matter antagonizing a black policeman. Okay, this is the Black Lives Matter people attacking and antagonizing a black policeman. They're verbally attacking him. Let's see what ad this is. Oh. <laughs> you should see these guns. The full line of MSR. <laughs> Savage. Better come standard. These are some good-ass guns, too. And I love the fact that these are ads right before the Black Lives Matter. Every time they do something about uh, an ad about the left wing wait till you, i'll get to the pelosi one a little bit later on i'm sure there's a, there's a juicy gun ad before that one but that's what breitbart does i love it and these are some nice guns actually i didn't even i didn't know about that brand of weaponry did you guys know about that thing but these are these are good looking ar style rifles anyway this is the uh this is the black lives matter activist and tagging the black policeman antagonizing him you must be with them. This is a Black Lives Matter protester attacking verbally a black policeman. Respectful just because line. just because he's a policeman. So he must be a turncoat. That's how disrespectful I am. You must be a member. You accept it? Do you accept it? You accept the KKK being here? By the way, I'd love to see this this Black uh, Lives Matter activist getting in somebody's face on the west side of Chicago. Wouldn't you? In fact, why don't we transfer that whole group out of their little coddled in front of the D.C. Starbucks protesting area there and send them to the south side of Chicago or the west side of Chicago and, and see how mouthy they get there, you know? Zoom in on him right here. Zoom in on him right here. Yeah, they're they're all they're all protesting it on the safe grounds of a DC street in front of a coffee shop and near a church where you can hear the church bells ring. That's where they're that's where they're and they're and they're blaming and antagonizing police officers who are there to protect them and to keep them from doing harm to others and they're being attacked and they know that the real problem when it comes to black lives is that other blacks are taking the lives, not the police. But anyway, who's oh, counting? Pull my record up and see, see if I got a criminal record, though. Okay, then see if see, he's a member. Nah, they don't. You got to understand. You got you to understand that KKK do not, they're not going to be by themselves. And he, and he has a little handkerchief around his collar that, that, that clearly he just puts back up on his face when it comes time to do whatever he's doing. But anyway. I just am fascinated by the ads. Let me call Case and see, make him account for account for this. I'm gonna I'm gonna plug my uh, thing in there, buddy. Hang on a second here. Cason's on his way on his way to indoctrinate young people in the classroom. I'm gonna call him. See what he has to say about this. Make him account for this. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell him all this is his fault. That's what I'm gonna do. Let me find you here. 
Mark Kaysen. I ought to give. I got to hand out his number for all of you to call him too, whenever you can. But I won't. Let's see. Three, one, four. <laughs> call his ass and get him. Make him account for these people. Mark's making him me call him instead of coming in like he's some kind of big shot. Pick up the phone. What's up, man? Is this not working? Hold on. You there? Why didn't that work? Gee whiz, people. All right, hold on a second here. Three, one, four. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work here, I'm just gonna call him on this line, I guess, on my on my actual phone. Let's see if it works here. Ringing. Really not happy about. Yeah, I'm right here. Oh, you better be. You listen to the I know. show. I know. Uh, absolutely. And did you and, see all? Did you see all your people? What they were doing up there in D.C.? All your friends? Yeah. Yeah. Look. I completely am against, as you know, number one, any of the violence. And number two, I, I, I use arches sparingly. I, every time you wake up in the morning, it's not time to go march. But there are times that it is necessary. We needed to march to stop the Vietnam War, and we did. We, we stopped Lyndon Johnson dead in his track. And we, we, we didn't stop racism, but we... We, we stopped a lot of the horrible things that went on in America, and, and we're still well, you, working you, on can it. I, can I, can I, can I, before, before you go on with the yeah. soliloquy here, you realize that the, your, your, your marches on the Vietnam War might have led to the end of the war, but in the meantime, the, because you forced the politicians to get involved in the prosecution of the war, you cost also – a lot of American lives. You know that same thing happened with the, uh, the Iraq war when all of you bitched about that so much that, that, that we had, we couldn't do the kinds of things we needed to do to win the war. I'm convinced that had politicians stayed out of the Vietnam war, there was a good chance we could have won that. Oh, see the problem. There's, guys- the problem. there's the problem. There, see right there. That's a perfect example. No, we, well, I don't know. Maybe we could have won the war. But the problem is, we shouldn't have won the war. Ho Chi Minh should have won the war. The, the right person won. The Vietnamese won. They got rid of the bad people. The, us. They threw us out, which we should have been thrown out. And, and, and I didn't want any Americans to die, of course. We shouldn't have been there in the first place. The French shouldn't have been there. That was imperialism. It was wrong. But but here's the thing though the problem with that and I don't, I don't want to get into a whole thing about the Vietnam War sure. here, but you were talking but you were talking about how you guys when you guys marched you successfully ended the Vietnam War and I'm Correct. telling you one of the things that the Vietnam War protest did and because it was first of all it was the first war we saw on television which didn't help matters and and presumably if 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 you had watched world war 2 on tv we would have we would never have been able to do the things we did i don't know whether you've ever seen 
uh, a, a movie called A Bridge Too Far, which is another example of the thousands of Americans lost because of military miscalculations. But had that happened in modern day and was on TV, the politicians would have gotten involved and we would have just simply given up. And that, that's one of the problems, too, with the Vietnam War, as we saw it on TV, and it was intolerable for Americans to see the, the way a war went when had they saw what happened in World War II, we never would have completed our mission there. So that was one problem. And then the other problem was you guys scared the hell out of politicians who didn't began not caring as much about the welfare of our American soldier as they did about you guys. And that became a problem. Yeah. Look, our mission was oppression, and we have to stop oppression everywhere. And, and certainly we don't want any Americans to die. But if that's on Lyndon Johnson, that's not on me. So that's, you know, I can't answer for that one. Okay, so on the Black Lives Matter. Right, yeah, of on course. The black, and and where yeah. are we, where's, our, where's our leg lamp? Yeah, I, listen, I, I can't solve all those problems either. A lot of well, problems I can't solve, you know. Doctor so. Deputy gave us a leg lamp, and now it's gone; it's disappeared. And I'm and until it's come coming back, I'm going to hold you personally responsible for that. And and you could, I'll probably buy you one, and and, and certainly in support of Doctor Deputy, who I really like. I I only met him in the last uh, six months, and I like him a lot. It's a nice person, really good yeah, guy. Yeah. So, yeah, right, so uh, a lot uh, of great people associated with you. Uh, but Black Lives Matter people are good people too. They're trying to do the right thing. The not the one I, not the ones I'm looking at. No, no, the ones the I'm looking screen. at down in DC are, are yelling at cops, yeah. uh, chasing cars around, and they're doing it in the in the comfort of a little street in DC. I dare them to go to the west side of Chicago or the south side of Chicago and do this stuff. And that's why I'm on the way to school in the inner city in order to help young people to figure out ways to forget about guns and to forget about all the violence and to only care about books. See, you like guns. I like books. That's it. <laughs> right. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shooting people uh, by the dozens over a oh, week. You, you never would. Of course not. But people. And neither that, are the cops and, and neither cops, are the police officers. So no, we okay, so, well, so I'm glad you said that. I don't like to call so, them so, cops. I think it's disrespectful, but so we managed, so we managed to, so we've what? managed to go yeah. ahead. We've, there are two people off the list now of people responsible for the deaths in Chicago and beyond on the streets of black people. We have me. I'm, I'm off. I'm no longer a suspect. No, the white police America. officers or the cops white or whatever you want to call them are no longer the suspects. So yes, are. who are the suspects? So white America is suspect and some, very few, but some police officers are part of that. That's a problem. It's right, but, but you might you, you might say some police officers, but 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 Mark, look what has happened here. Uh, uh, the, who is killing the black people of America right now? That's why I'm on the way to the inner city to help change that. That's all. Well, I hope you can. I hope you can because these well, goofballs that uh, that you guys and the media are supporting aren't helping in any way, shape, or form resolve the issue. Well, the screaming is not helping. And look, I, you know, here's another thing that you and I agree on so much. I mean, all this cursing, you know, in person, uh, you know, you know, my buddy Jim Berger always says, if you can't go up to a guy 
and say WTF or, you know, use the F word. If you can't do that to a guy, then there's something wrong with the guy. But, but, but you should not impose that on the public because it's, it's just disrespectful and there's no reason for it. And I don't know why people get on TV and do that. I mean, I understand why Lenny Bruce did it. That, that, there was a reason then. But there's no reason anymore. It, it, it's not funny. It doesn't accomplish anything. People on the right and left do it. It's, I just, it's not for me. You don't do right. it. Well, yeah, I know. But, you know, here's the thing. I, I do believe that you and your liberal friends can no longer just stand on the sidelines and watch all of these monsters on the streets, maybe, maybe if they, if you all would speak up, because they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to listen to Donald Trump. I speak up. But but the only thing I'm worried about right now is put the madman in jail. Other than that, everything else we can work out. Again, that that's not productive either, and it's not intellectual by any stretch of the imagination. For a guy who just claimed that it's I like necessary. guns and he likes books, you you can't possibly think there's a book out there that dictates that's the way to formulate a political movement by just simply saying put him in jail. I mean, you know, he's, and listen, he's mentally deranged. Well, okay, you, you're this is now you're just being ridiculous. No, I just think you guys on, need you to stand up. No. I, I, I'm going to hang up on you because you're just now just doing the same old thing. <laughs> no, let's not talk about Donald. Let's leave him out. That's all right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize. This is a show called Mr. Big Shot. This is a song yeah. called Mr. Big Shot. I don't have actually the uh, the soul version of Mr. Big Shot. But look, we, we agree with this, about you know, having kids out on the street screaming and yelling is not helpful. It, it really isn't. I mean, it's, it's legal, but it's not helpful. And we need to work on that. But is, is there any other solution except for to send these kids to college and turn them into Jamie Almonds and let them get Emmy Awards instead of screaming at people in the street? I agree. That's good. Well, I didn't, I didn't, learn, I didn't learn what I'm doing right now in, in college. I'm not, I'm not really one of these guys who's against college, but I didn't learn what I'm doing in college. I, I, and, I disagree. You learned how to be the kind of person you are when you went to Madison, Wisconsin at that university. It made you the professional, very you know, intellectual elite that you are. It, it turned you into that. You know, you, you know what's interesting about this, that, that, that commentary, Marcus, is that you know where I learned a majority of what I learned, I learned while I was – getting a job working in radio to pay for college where I wasn't learning anything. Can you believe that? Isn't that crazy? How, how this, the, what I learned in terms of broadcasting was, uh, was from a job that I got in Madison, Wisconsin, so that I could pay for school. Okay. But when, how when you actually, write and how you speak and how you comport yourself in the world that is what you learned in school. You really did. I didn't, Everybody no, does. I didn't. No, I, I didn't even learn that in school. You know how I learned to write is when I worked for a radio station, uh, again, in college, and I was covering the city and county governments, and I was using a phone coupler and calling in stories about every half hour or so in the evening time for live reports and things like that, and I had to keep everything to about 57 seconds and so I learned to write 
crisply, tightly, with uh, lucidity and uh, pithy. So yeah, that's absolutely. how that's how but I all learned. These words, all these words that you're using are, are the words that you that that were the tools that allowed you to learn those things and to be good at it. It really, I mean, you're not going to get away from it, Jamie. I, you, right. you know, I just think. I, we've had this discussion before, so I don't want to bore people. Oh, yeah. But I do okay, think you, you, we have we, no. We, we just have a different view of this. But you think that the key to resolving issues among black people is to send them to a college where That's they can right. be indoctrinated to become more left. And and my solution is to send them to coding school or to tech school well, or true. just simply get them get them a job right away. And then maybe college will be something they can do and other people can do when they have the luxury to, A, afford it, and B, to take the time to read whatever it is that uh, is on the, on the curriculum. But okay, I think, but I think right now – let's go back to your point. Let's go back to your point. Choice. Let them choose. Let them choose. See? Yeah, so you love that word choice. So they don't have to be – they could be a coder. That would be great. But let's give them the opportunity to choose that for whatever else yeah. they want. Yeah. So, you know, choice Scooter, is in there. By the way, Scooter wants to know, he said, you worked for NPR in college. Well, actually, when I was first in college, Scooter, I worked for Wisconsin Public Radio, which was NPR. But I was like a producer. I was like the guy who I edited uh, commentaries. Uh, and that was back in the day when he had, we had to use razor blades. So I would take a razor blade and cut the tape. And I was my First job was editing out lip smacks of these professors, uh, and, and one of them was some left wing math professor named Anatole Beck. I don't know whether you, I don't know whether you, you, he's a legendary in your little circle there, Mark. But uh, his name is Anatole Beck, and he was like, and he'd always do his commentaries. They air, air these commentaries, and he and he was the worst broadcasting type because he'd sit there and go, and furthermore. I will say, and he did these lip smacks. My job was to edit out the, and so what I would do is I'd take the reel-to-reel tape, and you guys can see me doing this, and actually it looks like I'm doing something else, but these are reel-to-reel tapes, and I would take the tapes, and at the time you had a little magnetic strip there, and that would that's how you could hear it, and I would just go back and forth. And once I was able to isolate that, I would take a razor blade, I would cut the tape, I'd take this blue tape, glue the two edges back together, and by the time I was done, which is like an hour later, the next morning I'd hear the commentary, and Anatole Beck would sound like Edward R. Murrow, for crying out loud. Now, it wouldn't miss a beat, and so it was perfect, and that's kind of what my first job was, Scooter. Then I worked, then I moved into... Uh, excuse me, commercial uh, radio and did some part-time stuff and then got a full-time job there. But so really in, at, at Wisconsin Public Radio, it was me just, and I'll never forget too, one of my things was I would back time the music for morning edition. So I did learn a little bit about music, Mark, when I was at Wisconsin Public Radio. Yeah, so I would, I would, I play it so that you, you, bad, they'd give you yeah, like a certain level of time that you had to fill and so I'd time it perfectly. I'd back time the album. They, it was just, we used vinyl. I'd back time the album. And so, uh, you know, the guy in the morning edition, local guy, would go, this is morning edition. Thank you for joining us. And then they'd go on to the national guys. But it would end. They'd have music, and it would end perfectly 
on the dot to go into the national guys. So anyway, Scooter, that's my life right there, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right, Mark. We, thanks. We, we all had bad professors. Uh, I had some idiot under under Secretary of Defense Bernard Brody who worked for Lyndon Johnson and came to UCLA and told me that all my work was communist propaganda. So I understand that that there are bad guys that that did those things. But I also have Angela Davis as a professor at UCLA, and she's out here even today doing great things fifty years later. So. You know, it, it 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 all depends. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for being with us and and laying that on to us. Okay, buddy. Yeah. Listen. Now you've had imagine. bad. Have you? Yeah, you've on. had bad professors, but have you ever had a bad Bama Jamma? That's what I want to know. Yeah, that you'll have to figure that out for me. Because because once you want after you had a bad Bama Jamma, you would declare very very succinctly that 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 she that's exactly what she is. She's a She's a she's a bad mamma jamma is what you'd declare. Yeah, you know things that I don't, so you'll teach. Yes, I do. All right, okay. friend. Catch you later. Have a good one. You too. Yeah, Marky. Go see him a bad mamma jamma. More bad mamma jammas and fewer bad professors. That's where I that's where my head's at right now. Live from the Discovery Design Studio, people. Thank you, Rick and Jerry Pogue and the rest of the gang out there. DiscoveryDesignInc.com is where you can check out all of your needs if you're a builder, if you're a hauler, roofer, whatever it happens to be when you're getting your hands dirty. Discovery Design will build a truck to your satisfaction, your liking. It's beautiful, too. Just in case you need a graph painted. Whole fleet of them. People coming from all over the country to help these guys out in terms of building that business up. It's a brand new business. Kind of an offshoot of Arrowhead Building Supply. Rick and Jerry Polk, thank you for supporting the studio. So, if anybody has seen a leg lamp anywhere... Please uh, ultimately help me out because I'm desperately looking for the Dr. Eric Naputi honorary leg lamp that is, as you can see, no longer there because we can't find the damn thing. It's gone. I'm not kidding you. It's just it's. I'm I'm unplugging this here, man. And I'm going to move it over here to my other uh, thing there, and then we are going to take a little break because I need to give you because I haven't given you this this morning already. I haven't given you my. Uh, our national anthem. And I, I don't want to miss that because one of the things that we've been criticizing and we've been having to deal with lately are these people who don't respect the national anthem. And uh, that doesn't make any of us happy. So I'm going to make sure I get to the uh, national anthem. God bless America, everybody. And so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, check it out.
This town ain't small, it's a little of both, they say. Our ball club may be minor league, but at least it's triple A. Yeah, good morning this morning, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Almond. RadioFreeAlmond.com is where you can go ahead and check things out. Gear, hats, the one I'm wearing. And how about a little brand new tank? Giavaletti had the idea to have all kinds of different great, fantastic new colors. So we have forest green, military green. White. I forgot what they called it. Pearl white or something like that. And the hats. Apparently, Julie Golomsky, if you go to RadioFreeAlman.com, it's where you can find it. And There's a good chance that we're going to be able to get the uh, some winter wear eventually. Like hat, like knit hats and stuff like that. Radio Free Alman knit hats. So, we'll work on that a little bit. Maybe some uh, Radio Free Almond wool socks. How about the Cardinals, man? What are we, four and a half out now or something? This could be a nail-biter. I have to tell you, as much as I can't stand the Cubs... It was actually kind of nice to have them. Uh, I was like watching them beat the Nationals because there's only one team I can't stand more than the Cubs. It's the Nationals. And Bryce Harper and those people. Obnoxious. It's great to see this grand slammy in the ninth inning by this guy who never hit a, hadn't hit a home run in his lifetime in the big leagues. Just walks right off. I like, kind of like stories like that. Even, even if it is something, I, wouldn't, I don't like it when it happens to me or my team, but... Certainly like to uh, I like to see drama like that. Yeah, you know what? And it, and it was just uh, I know it was the Cubs, but it's kind of fun to watch. Cardinals, telling you, we can pull this off. It's kind of a little far back. Are we four and a half out now, Matt? Or are we five? five? Four and a half? Four and a half. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, Richard, I know, man. I'm, I'm lathered up about it, too. We can't find that leg lamp anywhere. Who the hell would take a leg lamp? There's, there's a video surveillance here, though, isn't there? Yeah. Look at the tapes. I don't know whether they were on or not, but the camera's on. But sometimes they just have them. Good weekend for sports in St. Louis. How about Tiger Woods, man? I was I, I was so cool to see St. Louisans rooting so heavily for him because I love I, I like I like stories of redemption. I like watching people succeed after they have failed. I like I like people coming back. You know, I like those stories. I'm not saying Tiger, what Tiger did wasn't something that he created on his own because of 
his own problems. I get it, but it doesn't matter. I'm glad to see him back. I, I was I was hoping he was going to win. I really was. I thought it would be a great story. But it was it was cool to see St. Louisans rooting for him and getting behind him. I, I liked that a lot, and it was pretty cool and pretty amazing because you know he doesn't really. Yes, Father Miller, me too, buddy. He doesn't really. He doesn't play much, which is kind of astounding. And maybe that's the key is is that is that Tiger Woods doesn't play a whole lot because. I don't know if you you guys have ever golfed out there. You guys are gals. I uh, I do uh, I do I used to golf, but I found that that the more I golf, the worse I got. Like when I just went out there and just did my thing, I I would do better than if I did every day. It's kind of like I like my golf play when I used to golf would actually get. Worse as the round went on. Like you're supposed to get better as you get get going, but I got worse. P- first of all, it's probably because I didn't have a whole lot of patience. So it was like, okay, after about the after about the eighth or ninth hole, you're like, I'm done with this, man. I mean, really. And so I I, I would get worse, and then plus I was also, and I still have uh, my father's golf club, so I play with uh, these these blades. And I'm talking about back in the day when you had a seven iron, I was a seven iron. That was like a the bottom half of a tree trunk, that thing. And it was heavy as hell. And I don't know how they, I don't even know how the pros played back in those days, but these were some heavy clubs. And my dad had this yellow, big naugahyde bag. Like it looked like the, uh, if you've ever seen an old Torino, like a, well, you know what I'm talking about, man. Like the old, uh, like a 1974 Torino. They had these uh, tops, and they were just like vinyl tops, but it was like naugahyde. But it was a harder formula. It's like, but but yeah, the, I think it was almost naugahyde or whatever it was. But that that's my dad's banana yellow naugahyde bag. That thing is indestructible. That and then I had uh, I I played with his persimmon woods. Still have those too. And so maybe that had to do with uh, a little bit of my uh, inability to uh, to do well. I'm, t- I'm unplugging. I'm going to plug back in because I'm grabbing Jimmy Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, here real quickly. Yeah, very active day uh, yesterday with the uh, over the weekend with these goofballs in uh, Black Lives Matter. We just talked about that. And lots more to talk about with Nancy Pelosi resurfacing again and the uh, that, that guy who stole the plane. We're going to follow up on that and also going to take you back to Afghanistan just in case you didn't think that we have men and women still fighting for their lives over there in Afghanistan. We do. I saw a video of it last night. It's uh, pretty crazy. But let me just uh, let me give uh, Jimmy Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, a quick uh, call here. So, uh, yeah, man, yeah, I, I, Eric, I, by the way, if the Pooty's watching, dude, let me tell you something. I, uh, I completely can't figure out where the hell that leg lamp is, but we're going to, we're going to find it. I guarantee you, I promise, buddy. I'm not going to let your leg, leg lamp disappear for long here. Let me get Jimmy on the phone here. Antifa was going crazy. Also, it was just unbelievable. The, the display. Between Antifa and Black Lives Matter, it's like, what the hell is going on with you people? 
This is going to get you. Keep doing this through 2018. It's going to be fantastic. Keep on doing what you're doing out there on the streets. You're really. Good morning. Good morning this morning, Jimmy Hoft. How you doing, buddy? Great, Jamie. Good morning. I was just talking about how uh, I'm, I'm encouraging Antifa and Black Lives Matter to keep, uh, keep doing what they're doing on through November. Because the, because Americans are really starting to warm up to this <laughs> these groups. Let me tell you, watching what they're doing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yesterday it was out of control completely in Washington D.C. with uh, the twenty or fifteen to twenty white supremacists uh, versus the fifty thousand Antifa who uh, beat each other up, attack cops, vandalize, and beat reporters. Yeah, and, and and even you know it's funny because NBC and I'll play this a little later on, but NBC actually had a a story on the protests, and they basically ignored their own reporter being assaulted by Antifa in <laughs> in Charlottesville. Like they they they, did, they didn't their own reporter was being pelted, <clears throat> and they didn't even bother following up on that. So man, unbelievable. <laughs> That's crazy. That's uh, some sort of bias, Jamie. If you won't even report when your when your own employees are getting beat up in the street, and you're you're too afraid to report that because you don't want to report the truth to the American people, that's unbelievable. I didn't hear that. Yeah. And now, th- now you have some interesting interviews up here uh, that were interviews with Antifa members. And these are people, these, the, the, the video has captions on it, but these are people who are at the, at the uh, protesting this Unite the Right to rally, but they're from Antifa and they're talking about how they would murder President Trump and also do him like they did Gaddafi, like we did Gaddafi. That's unbelievable. It's amazing, isn't it? And, uh, they're also holding, if uh, for your audience, uh, they're holding uh, these socialist signs, this uh, RevCon socialism. And we, we know who they are from uh, Ferguson during the riots up there. They're uh, socialists, they say, but really they're just angry communists. Um, and uh, they're marching and saying stuff like, uh, you know, no borders, no USA, <clears throat> uh, you know, get rid of USA. They're just very radical people who want to destroy the country, and they're not even shy about it anymore. And yet again, Jamie, we don't have the mainstream media reporting any of this. So uh, the American people on a whole, unless you're uh, going someplace else to get your news, you're not going to hear it from the mainstream news. There are these radical communist groups uh, whose goal is to overthrow the country, and, and they're not saying and they're very violent. And they're not saying anything about it. Well, and it's interesting because they're too busy acting as if it's the media that is under threat. But uh, the video I've been seeing, <laughs> well, this video Hi, here, which Benny is showing Johnson, I'm here at the counter protest, the Unite the Right in Washington, D.C. in Lafayette Square. Uh, we are asking people what they would do if President Trump were to show up at this march. Some of the answers have been pretty stunning. Uh, here they are. What would you do if Donald Trump showed up at the Trump? Murder him? Murder him for the people? How about you, man? Man, I'll tell Trump to get 
on the fuck on the floor and scrub those toilets himself. Because he don't know how to fuck clean. He needs to learn. He needs to learn how to clean? Scrub some toilets? Yeah. Fucking murder him. I mean, yo, he's America's Caesar except he's a dickhead. Yeah, he's America's Caesar. I mean, this is... I mean, again, I, I, I told my people here at Radio Free Almond that I would... Uh, that I, I would refrain, you know, I, I don't normally, even when I was on Dinosaur Radio, I wouldn't play a lot of cuss words. We'd bleep them out because of the FCC. So I only give people like a little smattering of this stuff because I don't, I don't think they're here to be subjected to the, the foul mouths of uh, some of the left. But, man, if you look at this video, if you go to gatewaypundit.com and you see the video, you can look at it yourself and see. Uh, now, these people don't all represent every single liberal uh, on the planet, but it would be nice to see some people like, because every time, like, for instance, somebody on the right does something goofy, uh, President Trump or conservatives are always asked to account for it and say something or call it out or refute it. But I don't see too many people in the higher echelons of the party or of liberalism or even in the media calling these kinds of things out. I don't see that. Uh, absolutely. If, uh, if somebody on the right, can, uh, for instance, uh, we're all blamed for those 20 people who are marching in the street. You know, this, this is, uh, why the left calls everyone who voted for Trump a racist or a Nazi. Um, it's just not isolated to these few kooks who were, uh, uh marching in Washington yesterday. And Jamie, by the way, I never even saw a full picture of the group of white supremacists. It was so small, and they were so completely surrounded by, you know, hundreds or thousands of these leftists that uh, it, was, it was hard to even see how many were there. We hear that from Fox said two to three dozen, but um, uh, they, they try to put that on everybody on the conservative side of the spectrum. And yet at the same time, Jamie, uh, at every single rally that we've seen in the past couple years, uh, major rallies like this, some leftist is beating the hell out of somebody. Um, so, yeah. uh, it, and generally a Trump supporter, um, and it doesn't matter if it's a man or woman, um, this happens all of the time, and yet we have a, a, a dishonest media uh, representing what's actually happening to, the, to, to where a lot of Americans think the violence is coming from the Trump supporters. I mean, it's completely opposite. It's at least 99 to 1, and I've been covering this, you know, for several years now. But um, it's just amazing what the, the liberal media gets away with in this country still today. Yeah, I, I just find that, I mean, I still can't figure out because, like, for instance, when Jim Acosta was complaining so much about the Trump supporters and how these guys gen genuinely feared for their lives, it was weird because he would go on – somebody would say CNN sucks or something. Then he'd go <laughs> on Don, Le Don Lemon's show talking about how scared he was. But then I would see pictures on his Twitter page of him coming down from his scaffolding and talking to these people who were yelling at him. And I'm thinking, okay – so which one is it? Is it is it that you feel threatened or who are you? I think I saw you like talking to these supporters, Trump supporters. So I don't understand what's going on. And I, I haven't seen one example of a Trump supporter committing an act of violence against somebody who is not in their political stream. I think that's I don't see any of it. I just see this. And then, then I then I look on your page, too, and you have this story about Keith Ellison. And one of them is him 
uh, he's actually sh- uh, proudly displaying an Antifa anti-fascist handbook. And this is enveloped in a story that you have where there's some allegation that he was physically abusing a woman. Is, I mean, is that actually on? You don't have the tape, right? Or is somebody claiming right. the tape is there, correct? Right. This, this news broke this weekend. At the same time that Antifa's beaten heads, we hear that uh, the uh, deputy chair of the Democrat Party, Keith Elliston from uh, Minnesota, his former lover... Um, is accusing him now of uh, physical abuse and screaming awful things at her. Uh, actually, her son, this woman's son, uh, says he he has seen the video of this where Keith Ellison was dragging her off a of bed by her feet and uh, screaming horrible things at her. Um, and so this woman's son posted this about it on Facebook calling out Keith Ellison, and uh, this woman is saying the same thing. She's not backing down. Um, and Keith Ellison yesterday came, came out with a statement saying none of this is true, and the woman came back uh, with her own statement, and uh, then she uh, threw his uh, cell phone number online. So uh, I, it's not quite clear what's going on there, but it sounds pretty bad, and it sounds like the woman and her son definitely uh don't care much for keith ellison yeah uh yeah that's for sure and obviously we don't have the tape but i guess when she provides more evidence uh then then, then knock herself knock, knock yourselves out we also have the story uh, you have a ton of great stuff at the gateway pundit.com folks i guarantee you uh it, it'll uh, keep you busy and keep you absolutely well-informed because there's a lot of stuff here that just isn't reported uh, by the mainstream media. I, I want to ask you quickly about this Amorosa story, though, because, first of all, uh, there's this tape with uh, her and John Kelly. John Kelly is pretty convincing in this tape when he tells her, look, you got some problems that we can actually make worse for you if you don't leave. And I'd love to know what those issues are regarding her, because apparently there was some abuse of some uh, uh, finances and some, and some abuse of some uh, privileges of hers at the White House. And now suddenly she's just running around calling President Trump a racist and a bigot and all that kind of stuff. And I, I said earlier that this is one of uh, President Trump's uh, strengths and also one of his weaknesses is he often does operate on instinct and that's helped us in a variety of ways especially with the economy and beyond but sometimes he has people around him who don't always have his interests at heart and Amorosa was clearly one of those uh, it looks like it absolutely she actually was did quite well you know during the election I was a, a fan of hers she would yeah. take on a crowd um, she, she would put herself in uh, some places that Jamie were just uh, very hostile towards Republicans. And she would walk in there and sit down and take the abuse, actually. Well, she didn't really take it. She always generally stood up for herself pretty well. She's a very uh, uh, confident woman in her own ability. Um, but this was very sad to see. I, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. I don't understand it with this Trump administration, but he has some pretty uh, uh, independent, uh, powerful people around him. And uh, they're not uh, little wallflowers, it doesn't seem like. And several of them now we've seen go out afterwards and say these, uh, you know, pretty outrageous statements. 
Um, I don't know how it affects his supporters, though. I just don't think it 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 does much puts much of a dent on his support with the American public. I think if you no. like him already, you're going to like him. If you don't, um, you know, they, this is just more you know ammunition for those people. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, any time that, you know, that's why when uh, the guys on This Week were talking about the story and they say, boy, she really has a lot of credibility problems, but blah, 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 blah. And I can't really mean like, but, but she is calling him a racist and a bigot so that for our purposes, this is going to work out just grandly. But because one of the things that they have a problem with is, and you just talked about her uh, and, and the good work she did. The problem was when she was doing that, Jimmy. The news media and others were writing her off as just a token and a reality thing, <laughs> a star and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know whether they can have it both ways now where they're, they, they're making her look like she's Moses all of a sudden. I don't see how they, they're able to do that. And, yeah, you're right about the Trump supporters. I don't think it's, this makes one lick of a difference. And, and I do also – there's a little hidden gem, too, on, on the site that you have. Uh, and that is the Devin Nunes and the interview. Back with, we're back uh, with the chairman Bartiromo. of the House Intelligence Committee. Devin Nunes is in the oh, yeah. uh, country of yeah. Georgia. He, uh, he's been going on with her on Sunday mornings, uh, Sunday morning features. And uh, it seems like every week he's on with her, he drops another nugget. Um, this guy is uh, really such a hero. And one of the few people, it seems like, it appears, who's really doing something to try to get to the bottom of this uh, corruption by the Obama deep state and these Democrat leftovers who are trying to take down Trump. I mean, we're in a very serious time. I don't know if people understand that. And it's coming to a head. But Devin Nunes um, discussed, uh, uh, you know, that he really puts it into perspective, this whole Russia conspiracy, uh, pointing out in his uh, interview this weekend that, uh, and I'll just read it for you, the, the information flowing from the Clinton campaign campaign from Russians likely created by the Russian propaganda arms was given to the Clinton campaign who sent it to top levels of the FBI. And that's how we had this counterintelligence uh, spying on the Trump campaign. It's really unbelievable. That's the truth about this whole Russian witch hunt. Uh, and hopefully some of these people will be held, uh, you know, justice will be served because this was absolutely criminal what the Obama administration did during the 2016 election. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's clear. And it, and this was pretty clear early on that the members of the deep state and you had the Brennan and these other guys in Clapper and the other individuals working in the Obama administration. I think it's pretty clear that this dossier was only useful to them as a pretense to spy on president Trump. And so it was very easy that they just simply cooked up a piece of evidence that even people forget that James Comey himself admitted that this document, this dossier, was not a credible doc dossier, that there was nothing credible about it. And yet it remained the one piece of information they used in order to get warrants and everything else. And so uh, that's bad. That's really bad news. And, and I think Nunes is on to something there. Oh, absolutely. This is like you and I going to a bar one night, writing some ridiculous things down about Claire McCaskill, and they start an investigation on her the next day, you know, off yeah, of just nonsense. Right. And uh, so this is what happened to President Trump. And again, it's completely criminal. Um, and I hope, I do hope that Republicans hold the House and hold the Senate, because otherwise these investigations will go away. And this is probably the most 
um, you know, corrupt uh, situation we've ever seen in American politics that I can remember, certainly. So I hope they get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I, I agree. Another piece you have up here, which I think is uh, excellent and, and certainly uh, it was uh, posted by your bro. Is he still, still over there? Is he in China or Japan? He's in Hong Kong, yep. Hong Kong, okay. Uh, and so Joe posted something, uh, and this is a really good bit because, as you know, uh, Morning Joe and pretty much everybody on MSNBC, and every time you talk about the economy, if, when I talk about it with Mark Kaysen, he's always saying, this is actually Obama's economy. This is Obama's economy. And this is a great piece here put up by Joe uh, that show 10 reasons why the people are wrong and that this is truly the Trump economy we're talking about here. It's good. 10 pieces, 10 bits. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Obama flatlined the economy and the American people knew it and they felt it. And it was an awful what he did. Uh, nobody got ahead during the Obama years. We all know that. We, we just know our own pocketbooks and how things went. Uh, nobody had any hope. He left the country in a horrible state uh, in so many ways. And Trump comes in, and immediately, the, uh, all of the charts, if you look at the charts since Trump was elected, they just started immediately going straight up. So uh, these, these lie, liars on the left that want to give Obama credit for this, when Obama actually was the only president ever to not get a 3.0 uh, GDP for one year of his presidency, first time ever. He was also uh, probably the worst, well, he had the worst recovery ever in U.S. history since the Second World War. In all of these uh, figures, he, he just flatlined the economy. Trump comes in, everything's going great. And these liars on the left want to give uh, uh, Obama credit. It's so ridiculous. Well, and you have, this GDP number is important because the people who were all complaining about how these tax cuts were going to ruin the economy and destroy the country and there wouldn't be enough money for this, enough money for that. And of course I had always stated early on that it, when people talk about tax cuts and when they complain about them, about costing the government money, that's always very depressing because it's not the government's money to begin with. But let's just say there were still some concerns about the treasury being depleted by the tax cuts and the reality is it went the opposite direction in fact exactly as the individuals the, the advisors to president trump said it would when they said listen if you ta- if you have tax cuts but it produces a higher gdp you're essentially paying for the tax cuts it's 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 that simple so with a 4.1 gdp you're you're more than paying for whatever the government is losing I hate to use that term, but that's what's going on. Whatever the government is losing when it's when it's giving people a tax break, we ought to actually it ought to be the pretense uh, for even more deeper tax cuts. Round two. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so far, the uh, Trump success has been enormous, and again, even uh, these stories, Jamie, that uh, Joe has written several times now. And he's an economist. He works out of Hong Kong. He he uh, heads a whole division of uh, auditors, actually in, the, in the, one of the top insurance companies in the world. And uh, he looks at these numbers, and um, even in debt, the debt uh, increases have slowed down under President Trump. Of course, this doesn't get any you know, news from the press because they've been trying to say that Trump you know, uh, increased the debt with this tax cut. 
which of course is ridiculous for the left to talk about debt increases at all after Obama raised the U.S. Uh, you know debt by ten trillion dollars. But um, <laughs> they try anything that they think will work. Um, it doesn't matter how dishonest it is. Yeah, the, my I, my favorite part about this article that Joe put up and and that you put up on uh, GatewayPundit.com is the uh, reminiscing about President Obama trying to mock the Trump magic wand. Listen to this. Remember this? For those folks who've lost their job right now because a plant went down to Mexico, you know, that isn't going to make you feel better. And so what we have to do is to make sure that folks are trained for the jobs that are coming in now because some of those jobs of the past are just not going to come back. And when somebody says, like the person you just mentioned, who I'm not going to advertise for, that he's going to bring all these jobs back. Well, how exactly are you going to do that? What are you going to do? <laughs> there's, there's no answer to it. He just says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to negotiate a better deal. Well, how, what, how exactly are you going to negotiate that? <laughs> what magic wand do you have? And yeah, you, yeah. What magic wand? It's 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 so funny to, to watch in hindsight, President Obama so confounded by and mystified by these very simple solutions that were not only put forth by candidate Trump, but then enacted by him in the first five hundred <laughs> days of his presidency. It's pretty amazing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, again, it shows Obama had just no idea how to run the U.S. economy. None. He really believes, uh, I, I don't think we've ever seen somebody so far left in our lives. Hopefully he'll be the last one like that. But Trump's numbers are just, it's true, they're just like magic. I put up this, this stunning video a couple of weeks ago, and Joe included these numbers on his report, and that is that under Obama, his last 19 months, he created like 26,000 manufacturing jobs. Trump, in his first year and a half, he's created 830,000 new manufacturing jobs in the United States. This is another one of those figures that will never get any attention by the mainstream media. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate, but Trump is just killing it on the economy. Yeah, I, I, I love the piece. And your site is just full of uh, great news this morning. And Illumination, brother, love it. And I, I, do, I do have to admit, I like that tape. That little one minute and four second piece of tape of President Obama there, it's scary because 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 you realize that he really didn't know anything about how to possibly improve this country's economic prospects. And the whole just to hear somebody say, what, 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 what do you mean make another deal? How, 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 how do you do that? Just make another fair deal. How do you do that? It's like, wait a minute. We just saw a guy do that with the snap of his fingers. And so it's like, <laughs> wow, how, how we put up with that inactivity and that defeatism is beyond me. And, man, it just the, 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 the contrast is so incredible. And so I love looking at those tapes. Like, what do you mean? How you do that? It's like, yeah, buddy, watch. You know, right. So it must, right. must be driving him crazy, and that's that's why they were so intent on making sure. I, part of this, I think, Jim, is not only because they just couldn't stand President Trump and didn't want Republicans to be in office, but I happen to believe there are a lot of people 
who had a lot at stake when it came to their egos when President Trump was elected. So you basically have uh, President Trump coming in and making a, a, an embarrassment of the Obama eight years. And so you have to imagine that uh, there was much more at stake than just simply people thinking that uh, there was some kind of criminal activity or whatever. It, I think these were people, even in the deep state, who just didn't feel like they could afford to have somebody in there that would hold such a large and damaging mirror up to mm-hmm. their legacies. I, I just think that, that part of it was just simply that petty. I, I think you're right, and unfortunately, the left never learns from their mistakes. Never. They'll double down next time. In fact, there was a poll out this morning that says that uh, Democrats, more of them now, believe in the magic of socialism than in capitalism <laughs> today. Um, it's, it's a frightening figure, actually, because it's just uh, Venezuela is, is currently going up in flames because of their socialist policies. And uh, the, the U.S. economy is actually uh, you know, on a rebound because of capitalist uh, policies. And yet these people learn nothing. You know, it's, it's stunning um, and it's very dangerous. Yeah, the magic of socialism, huh? So, so these are people who didn't like uh, the wand that President Trump was talking about, but are more than happy to talk about the wand that Cortez is babbling on about. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> TheGatewayPundit.com. Uh, love it, Jimmy, and, and thanks so much. And, and uh, real quickly, uh, w- about your site itself, have you noticed, and I think that there was a time there where you felt like there was certainly some attempted disruption of your traffic. Is that still going on? Um, you know, we've had a lot of uh, different challenges since the 26th election. Uh, 2016 election, we were ranked back then as the fourth most influential conservative publisher in the country during the election. We're very much pro-Trump. And uh, since then, we've been just getting hammered from all different directions. Uh, Facebook, during the election, we were about, it was about 33% of our traffic. Today, today they've shadow banned us down to where it's uh, about 2% of our traffic. So they, the, the social media giants have already shut us down. In fact, they had already shut uh, Alex Jones down, down similarly. He was also very pro-Trump. This doesn't get much uh, uh, media play, you know. He was a pro-Trump side, huge audience, and so he just got shut down for some articles he did in, you know, eight years ago or something. Um, but uh, so, so we've had a big hit uh, from social media. But, you know, Jamie, our, our organic numbers continue to climb. And so we're really back where we were, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, just because Good people find our site, they like it, and they keep coming back. Yeah, well, it's great, and I'm so glad about that. And, and ultimately, uh, what, what has to happen is, uh, you know, listen, if, if they try to lock down the platforms uh, like they have been with YouTube and in some cases with Facebook, thank God I haven't really been messed with at all. Uh, the worst it gets for me is when I, when I play a song – from uh, Sony or something, and they pick up right. the algorithms and cut me off. But that's about it. So so far, so good on that. But I, I'll have you know too that you know I'm working with Doug Giles on this, and, and maybe we can kind of tie it, the Gateway Pundit is somehow with uh, some work I'm doing with him on Clash Daily TV, and that's going to be on Roku. So it's going to be on a different kind of platform. That's going to be impossible for anybody to, to pull the plug on us there. So we'll see how it all goes, but I'm glad to see you guys are back in action. Well, at least uh, keeping up the, uh, the fever, so to speak, because you're doing a great job. 
Thank you, Jamie. Glad to hear that. All right, news. brother. Hey, no problem. That is uh, that is Jimmy Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, thegatewaypundit.com. Have a good rest of your week, friend. Yeah, that's Jim Jim Hoff. They do some great work over here at the Gateway Pundit. Lots of interesting side panel news there at thegatewaypundit.com. Imagine a dirt road full of potholes with a creek bank and some cane poles catching channel cat. The leg lamp is back. All right, so where was that? Hold on, let me turn it turn down. Where was it? What's that? Oh, in the very back. All right. So yeah, Matt's telling me that somebody. Uh, Matt told me that somebody had it way in the back, which check that for whatever. My feeling is that uh, we have somebody taking a leg lamp in back. That can't be good news. For the for the leg lamp, you know what I'm saying? Check that leg lamp for damage. I just want to make sure you know just who you're getting under this old hat. Cause girl, I'm not the kind of two-time or play games behind your back. Yeah, Lisa says, don't touch that leg lamp. Can I plug it in? Is it still plug-inable? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. No, that's all right. At least we have it back. We fessed up. Searched in the back. All right. Thank you. Dr. Deputy, you'll be happy to know we have your leg lamp back in action, buddy. Appreciate it, man. We would never let anything bad happen to your leg lamp. And Matt discovered it. Got the army out there on that one. By the way, right near this leg lamp is a beautiful sign for Santino's Cigars and Cocktails. And they are right there on Vogel Road. And is it, is it, did I miss something here? They turn us off? No. Did they? Mm-hmm. Uh, what did they just see here? They pop us off? They pull us off? Oh, damn it. They did. Crap. What? They did. Darn it. I know. I, I, I figured I was maybe letting that go too long. That song. Darn it. I know. Laura's like, you left the music on too long. I know. I was That one little bit got me. You know? Yeah, I was actually just going to take a little break and just have that little little bit and then talk over it and move on. But I but there was a time there where I just uh Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, Amy, switch to the app. We're going to get back on uh Facebook here uh in a in a second and fix it up. 
I'm going to take the time to mess with this um, audio here real quick, this uh, camera angle. You want to go tight on it? No. Okay. I'm just going to move it just, just, just this sure. way a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Here, one second. Let me uh, give you some distance. All right. Let's do it this way. We'll this there we go. Good That's good. Yeah, okay. Looks good. All right. So, yeah. Um, we had a little bit of a trouble there. Trouble in the video room. We back on? We are almost there. Okay. All right. Let me connect back. Or do you think they, 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 uh, let me see. Oh, here, no. They've been nicer to us. I got notifications over the weekend for previous shows. You what? I said they've been nice to us, I guess, lately, because I got notifications in my email for previous, like, Friday and Thursday that they didn't take us off for, but they tried to ding us for, and then the, Publisher cleared it anyway. Oh, wow. It said, thank you, Jamie Allen, for those beautiful plugs that you gave us. All right, well, now we're back on, right? We're back. Oh, so th they did? They said thank you? They didn't really. I oh. Down. All they right. figured that they liked the plug, so they must have let it go. Yeah. Darn it. I knew I, I, I was feeling, you know, you, know, you kind of get that point where you kind of feel like you're pushing the envelope. And you, and you almost you you feel like you're. Uh, I'll wait for people to pop back up on. Sorry about that. Where, but you but you get to that point where you're kind of like you know, you know, kind of deep down inside that there's that little part of the of the song, and I, I know exactly what part it was too. And it was a, it was a really good part of the song, but but I knew that somehow some way. I was going to get thumped when I did that. Darn it. See? Trust your instincts. Sometimes you, sometimes you actually know. Hey, by the way, I want to let you guys know that, and I, and, and I appreciate the uh, Santino Cigars and co Cocktails right there on Vogel Road. I was interrupted when they took me off of Facebook here. But uh, great place. I might pop down there this week sometime again. Try to get in there once a week at least and uh, check out Mike and check out Jan the bartender and Shannon's down there. And so it's a great place. They have your bottle. They have your bottle, everybody. So make sure you know that any whiskey you love they have, any gin you like they have, any beer you like they've got, and cigars aplenty and a beautiful little exhaust system there that you're going to uh, really appreciate because that's why a lot of uh, people go there, you know, date night and everything else, and they leave and they're not smelling like cigar smoke because uh, he invested in a big-time uh, exhaust system there, and so he's able to uh, he's able to uh, help you out that way. That's why you have, like, you know, uh, husbands and wives who will go there because sometimes, you, you know, they I'm not going to go to some cigar place and get all smoked up in my dress – but doesn't happen there. So beautiful place off of Vogel Road. It's Santino Cigars and Cocktails. I, I ran across this piece of video because I, I – and I, I wanted to share it with you because it, it's very important for you to realize that our men and women in Afghanistan are still battling. They're still fighting. They're still getting shot at. They're still getting ambushed. Thankfully, we haven't had uh, – at least in the immediate uh, recent uh, deaths uh, there, Afghanistan, that, that has obviously slowed considerably. But that's probably because our men and women there are fighting hard and they're fighting strongly. And this is a piece of video uh, on LiveLeak, LiveLeak.com, 
And LiveLeak's an interesting little site there. It's uh, sometimes very disturbing. LiveLeak, they have a lot of uh, car crash videos and surveillance videos showing people getting murdered. And it's kind of like it's not it's not a happy place all the time, you know. But nonetheless, for our purposes, sometimes it can be very illuminating. And this is this is just video of a of a uh, ambush where these guys are. Uh, is that my volume or your volume, buddy? That I'm having oh, oh, That's what it's like. This is an ambush. I get down. And this is what's happening to our American men and women. They're still fighting in Afghanistan. Taliban RPG ambush. Hi, Debbie, my old friend from high school, Debbie Crojanker. Hi, Debbie. Cutie pie. But, yeah, these guys are... There's a U.S. Army here. And, 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 and obviously, those of you who are, who are involved in the military and helping the military and being there for our military, this isn't news to you. And so I, 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 I'm, not, I don't, I'm not trying to insult you uh, regarding that. But, but, but to a lot of us, we're out there and we're thinking, wow, uh, I didn't know that these folks were still there fighting for their lives. I didn't know that these individual bulls were still out there getting shot at. Cause we, cause I think, I think Afghanistan has now become this kind of forgotten venue uh, that people aren't thinking about anymore, but there's still, the, the war is still going on over there and there are people still getting shot at and people still getting hurt. And uh, these guys though, uh, you got to be proud of our military when you watch them do what they just did there and fight back against the Mooge. It's uh, very, very impressive. Mayor de Blasio, not so much. He decides that uh, these are the people who remember that the left, when they talk about attacks on the media, they talk about how this is horrible and this is the third world nation and we're terrible and we're going to kill journalists if we don't watch out. Uh, stop calling it fake news and everything else. And then suddenly you have Mayor de Blasio on with Brian Stelter there at CNN. These are reliable sources. And Stelter actually pushes back a little bit on which I appreciate. But aren't these the guys that say that anytime you question the veracity of the news organizations or their honesty or their viability or what they're doing to the country, that somehow you're a threat to the First Amendment? And then you have de Blasio on there who's running New York directly into the ground, uh, deciding that, the, that, that there – well, there is news is that's an enemy. of Murdoch? Uh, you were quoted recently by The Guardian saying, imagine the country if Murdoch had never had papers or networks here. Right. We would be a more unified country. I mean, I thought the whole point that these guys make when we criticize the media is you shall not criticize the media because you're putting a target on their backs. You're – you're creating a, a potentially violent atmosphere for these individuals. You can't – this is wrong. You can't do this. And then de Blasio is more than happy to say, yeah, but you know what? It would be great if we didn't have Fox News around. There would be less overt hate. There would be less appeal to racial division. I guarantee it because what Murdoch did through Fox News and the New York Post, among others, 
is to create a dynamic where that stuff could come out in the open. We saw it in New York City for years and years, hmm. where uh, race was infused into the dialogue in a very negative way, and it was a, a sort of an apocalyptic vision was created of the notion of going back to a time of crime and Wait a minute, what, what are we talking about here? Because as, as far as I know, Fox News isn't the one talking about race incessantly. And Fox News isn't the one creating an apocalyptic atmosphere when it comes to race relations in this country. Because am I, where, what world is de Blasio living in where he suddenly, first of all, says it'd be great if we didn't have a news network out there, that it would just disappear, the world would be a better place. These are the same people who think any criticism of fake news is some kind of threat to the First Amendment. And then you have a guy trying to tell us that the racial dynamic in this country and all of the blow-ups regarding racism are the fault of would be the fault of Fox News. It doesn't make any sense to me because every time I turn around, these guys are talking about race incessantly. Hey, and always putting that through a lens of people of color as the villains. So it sounds like you feel anti-media feelings. No, I feel anti-News Corp feelings. I feel I see. very angry when I see a media outlet, a corporate giant, a profit-making giant, dividing people and creating hatred and negativity and changing our political landscape for the worse. But... I think it's also fair to say that when you look at CNN, for example, you look at the major networks, they do not harbor. Oh, oh, so so I'm Bill de Blasio. I'm going to be on CNN and I'm going to talk about how fantastic CNN is and how bad News Corp is. And again, this is all from a fantasist like de Blasio who is trying to insinuate somehow that Fox News is the one that creates all the problems. To my knowledge, it hasn't been Fox News that's been accusing President Trump of being a racist because he's dared somehow refute something LeBron James says. To my knowledge, it hasn't been Fox News for a time there promoting this idea that getting rid of Confederate statues was going to be uh, the the be-all, end-all and get us out of the pickle that we're in as long as we just get get rid of Confederate statues. And to my knowledge, it hasn't been Fox News that is criticizing President Trump for being a racist or for wanting to make America white again. Yeah, that quote line. You remember that, right? Well, guess who's bringing it up again? This was Sunday, probably while de Blasio was blabbling on about how Fox News has created a racial tension in this country. You've got Nancy Pelosi on MSNBC on the on AM Joy. This is uh, this is Joy Reid, by the way. This is Joy Reid's show. Joy Reid, you know, the one who used to tweet about how she didn't like gay people, but still has a show. I wonder if this little bit on Breitbart, this has a gun ad ahead of it. Because this is one one of my favorite things about Breitbart and the website and some of the sound they're able to put up is that whenever it involves somebody on the left, there is a uh, there's a gun ad in front of it. I don't know why, but I love it. Actually, there was one earlier in the morning I played for you that was from this D.C. 
protests up there and all the the crazies from Antifa and stuff. And they had a and, and Black Lives Matter. Boy, Black Lives Matter and Antifa. If you're a liberal, you're hoping these people don't keep this stuff up through November 18 or that whole blue wave thing is going to be way, way pushed down the rung here because uh, these people aren't helping you. They're just not. They're not. Uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter yelling at police and talking about how they want to kill President Trump and drag him around like Gaddafi. That's not really warming middle America up to your movement. It just is not. And unfortunately for you, they're associating these people with your party. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that members of your party who are up on the higher up aren't saying anything about this. They're not coming out and refuting this. And and again, you know, I want to be fair because I, I don't hold, for instance, my mother, who happens to be a liberal, she's not responsible for what they're doing up in D.C. Or any relative of mine who happens to be liberal. It's not, it's not their fault what's going on up there. I don't fault them for that. Unfortunately, other people aren't so generous to those on the right. I'm not talking about my family, but other people who are liberal seemingly hold – me and you responsible for everything that comes out of President Trump's mouth. Uh, hold us responsible for these invented and made up allegations of racism and bigotry and misogyny and xenophobia and all that kind of stuff. To the point where if I say I voted for Trump, you pretty much automatically say I'm a racist. Or that I hate Hispanics. Or that I... Love Putin, whatever it happens to be. So, you know, I don't want to be unfair to you folks on the left out there the way you're unfair to us on the right. But let's face it, we're watching what's going on up there in D.C. with these Antifa things and Black Lives Matter yelling at police when they know that the police aren't the problem. They're yelling at the police from the comfort of their coddled little D.C. street. So they're standing in front of the Starbucks as the church bells ring around them. But I guarantee you these same people, these Black Lives Matter people, aren't doing this on the west side of Chicago or the south side of Chicago where blacks are killing black people, not the police. Blacks are. Other black people are. So we can uh, – we can. I'd love to see Mr. Mr. Red Handkerchief yelling at the cop take his act to the street corner in the west side of Chicago and see how long he lasts there. They won't do it because they're too scared to go there. They're too scared to go into the places where uh, the the source of the real problem is. Anyway, this is Nancy Pelosi. I wonder if I'm I'm guessing, I'm wondering, I'm hoping. I'm gonna push the button and hope that there is a gun ad in front of this. Let's see. To the thousands of you who told us you wanted the XDS mod two and nine millimeter, <laughs> rest easy. Oh, there is. We heard you loud and clear. A Springfield Armory. I love. I, and I love the line. I don't think. I don't think it's. I don't think it's um, really uh, what um, happened. In- hold on, before we get to her, I don't think it's really. I don't. I don't think they mean this, but I think they do. But something, something. Trump's capacity is one of the lines there, and they fit, and they managed to fit like Trump in there, which is great. I'll play that again. I wonder if I can do that. Hold on. 
we can play that again. I just love I love it when they do this. I love I love these guns too. I I've been turned on to one of them when they were doing the Antifa bit, Breitbart put up a uh gun uh ad for these really awesome line of AR fifteens. I hope I find that again. And this one is the uh is the little There's another one. It's a different ad. You don't just want to shoot. You know, if if you just keep on if you just keep on doing like if you take the ad, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a tip. If you go to Breitbart and see that Pelosi bit that I'm about to play to you for you, but I'm too I'm loving these gun ads too much. But you if you just read push that little circle up there and it regenerates, each time there's a different gun ad. So the one I just played you now has been replaced when I regenerated it with another gun ad. <laughs> Shoot. You want a better shooting experience. That's why we cover the new Syntec bullet with a high performance total synthetic jacket. These are these are, by the way, this is a gun ad that has women in it shooting. And then they have a bullet that they're showing you with uh, this exclusive polymer coating. And it looks like, and it's red on top on the bullet itself, and the casing is regular. So, if you all can imagine what when you're seeing a bullet casing and then a red bullet on top, what do you think that looks like? Lipstick. This is too much, and it's too fun because it comes right before a Nancy Pelosi blathering. It's even better. The polymer coating eliminates harsh metal on metal. It looks like a li- it looks just like lipstick. It's fantastic. Abrasion, damaging heat, and hard to remove fouling inside your gun. That means you can spend more time shooting and shoot better. American Eagle Syntec, a smoother way to shoot. <laughs> um, of what happened? I love, I love that. I think I love that too much. Maybe I'm mentally ill, but I love that. I love, and it's so. The thing is, the ad itself is probably one of the best ads for ammunition I've seen in a long time. And they have all this glowing, you know, piano music and all this 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 rising crescendo music and people shooting shooting their guns at the target range and the bullets looking like lipstick and it just doesn't get much better than that. Except it happens right before an interview with Nancy Pelosi. She's fresh off of her canoe on Golden Pond and ready to rock. In Charlottesville, what are, you, what are your reflections when you're out? It's so terribly sad the year has gone by quickly. Oh, yeah. So let's have Nancy Pelosi reflect here on MSNBC on charlottesville a year later what do you think she's gonna say but it has not diminished the sorrow this is for our country with going backward and the well no of course it hasn't diminished listen that was a horrible thing that happened there but it was a year ago and the only reason that nancy pelosi say it has not diminished the sorrow is because she can't have it any other way if 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 any of that has been diminished and things have calmed down, that's not a happy place for the likes of Nancy Pelosi trying to pursue this blue wave. Because if you can't sit there 
And that's what I think that's what a lot of these anniversaries are for, right? I mean, the Mike Brown thing uh, and, and, and this situation, these anniversaries are built to be platforms for just simply regurgitating crap that they were blowing out last time around. So the anniversary of Charlottesville, uh, that that anniversary is only designed so that Nancy Pelosi and others can creak out of their coffins and call President Trump a racist and remind everybody what the president said afterwards. Some of these are good people. Remember that whole thing? And some of them actually were. He was President Trump was absolutely right about what he said. But nonetheless, it that's what these anniversaries for. They're, they're, you know, and now let us reflect and they'll have a whole half hour on what happened a year ago because they want to make sure that you don't forget. Remember now, President Trump's a racist and we're going backwards. Pretty soon, there'll be fire hoses spraying black people against the walls in uh, the United President, States of America. President, with all of his statements, he's the master of the dog whistle. Everything that he has done, whether it's taking babies out of the arms of their of their moms. <laughs> oh, she's, this is an orgy of blathering on the part of Nancy Pelosi. She's managed to fit in dog whistle and grabbing babies out of the arms of people all in about 10 seconds there. This is only 26 seconds into a nine-minute interview. I feel like I want to immerse myself in this, and, and I, I feel like I'm taking a, a trip through the, through the journey of a twisted brain. There's issues that relate to health care in our country, access uh, to uh, services and the rest. Is, is, it's his whole thing is make America white again. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure out like how that whole – what was the – trajectory a trajectory of that of that sentence right there what was what was that because i think she managed to fit in the dog whistle the grabbing babies out of the arms and then the health care access and then make america white again see if i can are there moms whether it's issue and the this is yeah, and this guy basically just – this is on Joy Reid, but it's not her. She's being uh, – she's on vacation or something. This guy like tees it up for her um, of what happened. In- By the way, really quickly, you guys, I, and I'm again, keep in mind, this is where you are. You come to Radio Free Almond, which means you're guaranteed I'm going to talk about something. And then about two minutes in, I'm going to change the subject and then go back to what I was talking about before. But the words teed up reminded me not only of uh, the PGA and I got to love Tiger. I was hoping he was going to win that. But have you all seen that thing out on off of 40 out there uh, in Chesterfield, that place? What the hell is that thing? That thing is, it looks like it's from outer space. And I, and I can't. I gotta get. I gotta go in there and see what that is because it's this gigantic complex where it looks like it looks like you can't even get a parking space anywhere around there. It's filled up. When did I see it? The other day. It was Friday, and it was uh, Friday early evening, and. 
that place was just like, and it came out of nowhere. I think I, I think I might have seen it getting built, but uh, it came out of nowhere. And I drive by the thing, and and there's not a parking space to be had. It is it's called Top Golf. Okay, and and and, and they have like these rooms, like. And so are people sitting there in the rooms, like drinking and then uh, hitting some balls? Is that what they're doing? Wow. Three-story golf tee. That's, that, it's, that's almost like it's that's, – that's, uh, that's space age right there, that thing. They must be printing money at this place too. Great idea for that area out there. But I, I I saw them building those uh, that thing, but I didn't I didn't know what it was. I'm with you on that. I, I uh, lease I, I couldn't figure out like what they were doing. It kind of looked like it was going to be a like a, a tea place, but it's three stories, and when I tried to like I was driving past it, and I tried to look back and see what was going on in those rooms and things. And it looks like there must have been 3,000 people there. Uh, yeah, sitting. She didn't see anybody sitting. Well, it looked like it was like, is there a bowl? Is it a bowling alley also? Huh. Chris says it's ugly as sin. It is. It's crazy. It looks like this. It looks like it's from the Jetsons. Or Japan. One of those two places. Because Japan is where they... They they stack everything up, you know. And they and I don't know whether you saw Lost in Translation that movie, and they had that big building and all these little, and it was just like straight up, and it was all these little uh, karaoke pods that people were in. They just stacked people up there, but that looks pretty. That looks pretty cool. So is, all they have is golf there, or do they have a bowling alley there? Something. There's something else going on other than golf, it looks like, to me. It's crazy. Anyway, that's when I said teed up. That was, I was, I, that's reminded me of that place. Gotta find out more about that. I would get them to advertise on the show, but looks like they don't want to, looks like if they tell one more person about it, they won't have any room, you know? Now they're 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 going to beg me not to talk about it. Pay me not to talk about it. Top golf. That'll be that'll be fun. But no, that place is crazy. I love. It looks like it's great. Amy says her guys love it. Yeah. Is it a? Uh, it it didn't look. It looked like it was like an, a, a a because it was a Friday night. It's a Friday evening. So clearly, there weren't that many guys who had a pass. It looked like it looked like they that that was it looked like it was a, like a party place like they were it was it looked like it was a place where there were people you know it was on a date or something you know it looked like there were some chicks there I think because otherwise you, you, that the, every man who had a pass was there I don't know. The ladies play golf too. I'm not just, there are a lot of ladies at the P. Charlottesville. What are you, what are your reflections? Speaking of teed up here, so here's Nancy Pelosi getting it teed up for her 
And she and she swings for the fences. It's so everybody. terribly sad. The year has gone by quickly, uh, but it has not diminished the sorrow. This is for our country. With going. Yes, may I may I remind you of the sorrow of this country? I just want to let you know that heading into November, I just want to remind you there's sorrow. Backward. And the uh, president, with all of his statements, he's the master of the dog whistle. Everything- yeah, the the dog whistle. It's funny how, if you ever see Nancy Pelosi talk sometimes, I don't want to be petty here, but why not? Where, where she's, where she talks and it's almost like she's conducting while she's talking. And, and she's conducting because she's trying to remember all of her little spots that she has to hit. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you watch the old commercials, and it was like follow the bouncing ball, and then not old commercials, the cartoons when you were a kid, you know. And they'd have the sing along cartoons, and you'd be told follow the bouncing ball, everybody. And they'd have a song, and the ball would bounce over the word, and that's how you kind of knew what to do. And uh, but that's what Nancy Pelosi does when she talks; she's conducting. And you guys can see this on – you can't really see it on the stream, but you can see it on Facebook. So it's the dog whistle pulling babies out of the mother's arms. And then health care is not being – is not being allowed and people aren't, don't have access to health care. And so – then he wants to make America white again, and she's because she's she's trying to remember like what her her rap is. It looks what like. he has know. done, whether it's taking babies out of the arms of their of their moms, whether it's issues that relate to health care in our country, access uh, to uh, services, and the rest is is it's his whole thing is make America white again. Boom. So so she's got she she's. Just throwing out everything that she can remember she needs to say. It doesn't matter whether it's actually making a cohesive sentence or not. As long as she kind of just throws everything out there, yes, dog whistle, health care, babies out of the arms, make America white again. As long as she remembers all those little things, she can organize them in some disorganized fashion and spew it out because that sentence didn't make any sense. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Mr. Wordsmith and Mr. Amazing locution expert. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in, incredible in my delivery all the time. I stall. I sometimes hem and haw and do that kind of thing. I get it. But if you listen to her, it's her just basically just, trying to take a word here and take a word there. And it's just kind of like a, a game of jumble for her. Let's see what else she has to say, because it must That's be as brilliant and, as the And one. he can say a nice thing today in a tweet, but the fact is his actions speak louder than his words. And every day in the Congress, we have to fight those initiatives. I'm very proud. Yeah, you mean if you say actions speak louder than words, if you have the lowest black unemployment rate in the history of the country and it occurred 500 days into President Trump's presidency and you have 
skyrocketing numbers of Hispanic employment in this country. Uh, those are actions, looks like to me. Those are actions. When you look, talk about reforming the community bank and you're making efforts to do such things and you are also relaxing regulation and you're creating more jobs, to me, though, those are actions. And those are actions speaking louder than words. What Nancy Pelosi is doing, that, those are words, not actions. Dog whistle, racism, health care, babies out of the arms. Those are just words that you're just kind of throwing together. But uh, those aren't actions. What, what, what has – I hope this guy asked her. What actions have you taken? I, I hope Other he House Democrats on different committees – who fight those initiatives and we'll again talk, and again. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked my previous panel in terms of we focus a lot on President Trump and, what's, and, and his culpability in sort of worsening race relations. Mm-hmm. But you've been a, on, on Capitol Hill for a long time. You've worked with Speaker Ryan. You, you know Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Why do you think they haven't spoken up as leaders in the United States against something as pernicious as white supremacy uh, and racism. Remind- <laughs> okay. That's, that's a tough question, isn't it? Nancy Pelosi, Democrat minority leader, why do you think these white men on the opposite end of your aisle haven't spoken up about white supremacy? So now... Exactly what kind of environment does this goofball think that this should be addressed? In, in, in what kind of environment would we see Paul Ryan coming out there and holding a news conference uh, alongside Mitch McConnell on the Senate ad? They go, we here have de- decided that we need to tackle the problem of white supremacy. I, they wouldn't even be able to keep a straight face. Because the white supremacy thing is a myth and it's made up and it's made up by mostly white liberals to scare – you talk about dog whistles – to scare black people into voting for them. That's kind of how this whole thing works. And you have the you have the adjacent kind of uh, news media hacks like Don Lemon and you have Michael Eric Dyson on the – on the – pontifical end there in terms of his his uh the guy who they just interview who's reflexively everything is racist yeah that guy and those occasionally have maxine waters or someone like that but for the most part the whole white supremacy thing and the make america white again thing is something that actually has been conjured mostly by white liberals to scare black people and make them uneasy because when you can instill fear and, 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 and when you can say, hey, look at that Confederate monument over there, doesn't that scare you? Doesn't it make you feel like slavery is going to come back? Because it just might. Because that white devil in the White House, you know, it's happened before. Saw it with Bull Connor. Remember Bull Connor? Yeah, here, let me show you this video from the 60s. Hey, look at this sign over there from that lunch counter in 1962. It says, no blacks allowed. What do you think about that? Does that worry you? Because we could go back to all that if you don't 
put Nancy Pelosi back as the House Speaker. That could all happen. They're going to come for you. They're going to come for you in big wooden ships, and they're going to they're going to pick you up and pluck you out of your neighborhoods and sail you to some place on the ocean. And you're going to be underneath there. You're going to row. You're going to make you row in chains. Yeah, that could happen. Look, they get big white guys in the White House. Watch out. Let me remind you that when Republicans took power when President Obama was president of the United States, what Mitch McConnell said is the most important thing we can do is to make sure he does not succeed. If that wasn't a racist statement. <laughs> How is that a racist statement? When Mitch McConnell said, we hope he doesn't succeed. So when Nancy Pelosi or when Maxine Waters says she hopes that President Trump doesn't succeed, does that make Maxine Waters a racist? I mean, to tell you the truth, deep inside, I think Maxine Waters is a racist. I think she hates white people. But I don't make a big deal about that because I I don't care because – it doesn't matter whether Maxine Waters hates white people because it's never going to – it's not going to – there's, there's, there's uh, no chicken coming home to roost for me when Maxine Waters mouths off. I've, I've, got, I've got plenty of ammo, plenty of everything else to defend myself against that witch and her flying monkeys. But still, I, I think she's a racist. But, but is that a big deal? Does that make me feel like as a white man threatened because Maxine Waters is a racist or Louis Farrakhan's a racist or Keith Ellison's a racist or Al Sharpton's a racist? I mean, I, I, it doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't worry about it. But these guys, boy, they're menaced by it every single day. But Mitch McConnell saying he hopes Obama fails, I, I hope you know that President Obama, when he was running – promised to kill coal, right? Remember? And he said that electric rates will necessarily skyrocket. Remember that? When he said that? So when Mitch McConnell says, well, I hope he doesn't succeed, that's the kind of thing Mitch McConnell was talking about. And, and And for Nancy Pelosi to turn that into a racist statement, I don't even think black people think that. Oh, there might be some, because of course, you know, that's there are there's a certain level of uh, of our culture that like, for instance, if you're a white person and you criticize LeBron James, you're automatically a racist. Now, that kind of on the reverse, and I don't want to make too much of this because I don't really care one way or the other about LeBron James. But this is a situation where this is there's a, there's a formulation of, uh, of, let's say, black privilege out there. And, and that comes in the formulation of, well, if you're Barack Obama and Mitch McConnell, you criticize Barack Obama because he's black, you're criticizing him because he's black, which is, of course, a total falsity, but it's useful for them. If LeBron James says something stupid and someone says that LeBron James said something stupid, that person better not be white because if they are, then they are racist because LeBron James is black. You see how the game goes here? And that, to me, like Maxine Waters, for instance, you criticize Maxine Waters, who just got through sicking all of her flying monkeys on people, 
uh, if you criticize her, you are criticizing a black woman, a woman of color, and therefore you are a racist. So these people are not to be criticized at all, which is a – boy, that's a, that's a happy place to be if you can just simply – hide behind your race and say whatever you want to say, then the minute somebody criticizes you, uh, they're racist. That's a neat little package. That is unthinkable. We worked with President Bush, although we had our differences. You don't... Oh, you sure did have your differences. You kidding me? What do you mean you, we had our differences? You obstructed President Bush every step of the way. I mean, I wish this guy... Well, I wish I were him, because I would say, what exactly did you support what what did you vote for that President Bush pushed? You tell me what you agreed with him, what, what it was you agreed with him on? I mean, anything? No. So she didn't work with President Bush. Never. And you know what? I don't blame her. I, I, don't, I, think, I think, to tell you the truth, bipartisanship can be overrated sometimes. I think sometimes the two parties working together, it doesn't work out really well for Americans. Uh, I think that sometimes when the two guys or two parties are working together, the only thing that, that happens is you, you get screwed. I mean, for the past 30 years, we've had situations where Republicans and Democrats work together and we, we got boned. It hasn't helped our economy. It hasn't helped our look. What, look what happened with our trade deals. Republicans and Democrats fell in love with these trade deals, and what did we get out of it? Nothing. Lost jobs, lost manufacturing, low GDP, uh, service economy instead of a manufacturing one. So I, I have, I'm listen. I don't think we ought to be at war with each other all the time, but I do think bipartisanship doesn't always work out so well. Like, for instance, I don't want to see my attorney out at Joe Buck's with Entercom's attorney, right? I, I don't want to uh, – not that the, these, some of these – a couple of these guys are local, I think, but I, I don't want to see – I don't want to see my attorney hanging out, having lunch with Entercom's attorney. That would disturb me. So I, I don't want them to be – to get along. I mean some things are worth fighting for. And you know what? I don't blame – I never – I never at the time blamed Nancy Pelosi for obstructing. I don't think that's obstruction. I think she's representing her wing and knock yourself out. That's like, that's like saying you know, in, a, in, a, in a Cardinal game that when the Cardinals strike a Cub player out – that the Cardinals are obstructing the Cubs' path to victory. Yeah, you're damn right they are. When Bob Gibson stared somebody down and threw at their throat, you're damn right he was obstructing their path to victory. You think Bob Gibson ever ever went out there and, and, and said anything but, I hope the other team fails? Yeah. I mean, we stand for something. We mean something. Uh, and, and we... Fight for it, and I don't blame Nancy Pelosi at the time for fighting President Bush all the, all the way. Obviously, I I think that she did wasn't necessarily successful, but I I don't blame her for it. 
because she was representing her people. Go ahead, represent on, but just uh, know the consequences are that you could lose. Now, when it comes to things like the Supreme Court justices and things like that, it's a little different story because presumably these Supreme Court justices, while even though they might be conservative, are not necessarily Republican. And, you know, obviously you, you have a problem with a, a – the liberals have a, a problem with, for, with a strict constitutionalists because, because I think the left likes to politicize our constitution – Unfortunately, it began with Alexander Hamilton, but that's gonna—that's a long way to go. The whole general welfare—that—that that was Alexander Hamilton politicizing the Constitution. Madison's flipping out, like, dude, that's not what I meant when I wrote it. I didn't mean that the general welfare clause meant that we pay for health care. It's not what I meant. I'm sure Alexander Hamilton was thinking healthcare, but you know what I mean. It was a, it was a bastardization of the of of that general welfare clause. It just drives me nuts. I did enjoy the the Hamilton show. I thought that was a good one, but uh, but there's a reason why there's a there's a play called Hamilton and not Madison because there wouldn't be a play called Madison because most people of modern time who run the shows up there in uh, in liberal New York and beyond that, they they wouldn't be caught they dead honoring Madison. They like they like Hamilton because he came up with the whole idea of liberalism, you know? I didn't think he I didn't I didn't think he should die for it, but I'm not glad he was killed in a duel. I do think that that he should have known better how to duel. But Hamilton didn't know how to duel, or he did, but he made a mistake or something. But when you're in a duel like that, you don't shoot your gun into the air. Because then the other guy thinks that you're shooting at him. And... Aaron Burr thought, because normally in a duel, what you do, well, I don't know. I've never dueled before. But I'm just saying, what I know about duels is when you are dueling, the idea is to shoot into the ground. Generally, duels ended like that. There are a lot of people who had duels, and uh, but, the, but the idea was to shoot into the ground, your first shot's into the ground, Normally, and then then that's it. It's just whether or not you actually reach the, the point of the duel that usually mattered. Like if you didn't want a duel, then you were like disgraced and whatever else because you just defended somebody. And then they say, like, I challenge you to a duel. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. Then you're then you're a big puss and that's your legacy. But generally, when you say, OK, yeah, all right, then then you'd have an agreement and you'd, and, and you'd just shoot into the ground. And based on what I've been able to ascertain through my study of the Aaron Burr-Alexander Hamilton duel is that Alexander Hamilton, uh, the whole waste my shot thing, well, he he was supposed to shoot it. He shot into the air. And Aaron Burr is like, that dude's shooting at me. 
or at least took advantage of that as an excuse to claim that Hamilton was shooting at him, and so he shot him. So that worked. But had, but had Hamilton shot into the ground, there's a chance that he'd still be alive today. He'd be 400 and 700 years old, 407 years old. I don't know. But no, he, but, but he would not, that wouldn't have ended that way. But can't shoot into the air. It, it, it either is deceiving the person you're thinking you're shooting at them or it provides them an avenue to claim you were and they'll shoot you. So those are, so he only made two mistakes in his life. He bastardized the general welfare clause, and he didn't know how to duel. So the, well, the bastardization of the general welfare clause screwed us for 200 years, and we'll continue to do that. And the bad dueling screwed him. Make a statement to make sure that president doesn't succeed. Why did he say that? Why did he say that? So, because because he's a Republican and Barack Obama was a Democrat. That's why he said that, Nancy. And this goofball on MSNBC is just eating the whole thing up. It's like it's that's the other problem. Sometimes is black people are all too willing to be led around by these old white liberals who are more than happy to try to menace them and scare them and frighten them and convince them that the white man is after you. The big white devil. I think that when you ask that question, you're attributing a higher set of values uh, to the speaker and to Leader McConnell uh, than is worthy of their actions. Well, let's let's get into the what? The, the midterm elections. Yes. Democrats are hoping to reclaim the majority in in the House of Representatives, which they lost in the 2010. Uh... I have to tell you, in defense of Fox News, Fox News would never let. I mean, I, I, the what the things I've seen on Fox News, they'd never let a Republican politician go up there and just say whatever they want to say without some degree of pushback. I mean, I noticed this uh, of late. I think Fox News does a pretty good job of that in their interview programs. Brett Baer and Sandra Smith, those individuals, when they interview people, it's just not some carte blanche, take it away, blank check, affair like it is on msnbc like you'd think at the very least this dude would like push back on her a little bit and and say do you really think you really think mitch mcconnell's a racist for saying that or do you think it's just because he's a republican and i mean it just 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 at least ask the question even if you don't really want to hear the answer at least ask the question i think fox news does a pretty good job of doing that msnbc for whatever reason just kind of let us all let let them, these people just run mm, their mouths. I mean, have some respect for yourself. Elections, least, dude. There are a lot of people out there, particularly Democrats, who are who are saying the Democrats have no message. The Democrats they don't know what they're for. They they don't. And he's saying that because he's he's he doesn't believe it, and so he's trying to get Nancy Pelosi. He, he, this is this is a friendly interview here. And so he's like, ah, Democrats don't have a message. And the fact is, they don't have a message. 
I mean, so far I've heard from Nancy Pelosi that her message is that Mitch McConnell was a racist 10 years ago or let's say uh, eight years ago, whatever it happens to be. Like, really? You remember Mitch McConnell said that about Barack Obama a long time ago, little boy. That was a long time ago, but the legacy of that statement still remains. And you're someday going to be sold to another plantation. That's going to happen to you if you don't remove the big white devil. But no, I mean, that, that's, that's the sum total of their message. They, you got, they have to still go back to Charlottesville just to grab that little nugget, like the, the anniversary of Charlottesville. I wish we could commemorate the anniversary of Charlottesville every day. Yeah, he would, because that's what you would do. Well, they're against President Trump, but they don't know what they're for. Is that a true statement? And if it's not, what are Democrats for? Democrats are for the people. That's a good question. Uh, what does that mean? Democrats that? are for the people. I mean, and you know what? This guy's getting good here. Well, if we're for the people, what does that mean? Good for you, buddy. The people, it means we are for the people having lower health care costs, reducing the cost of prescription drugs. Democrats are for bigger paychecks by building the infrastructure of America, creating good-paying jobs. You mean like the WPA? Because we don't need that. We don't need to put people to work filling potholes anymore, Nancy. We've got a budding GDP at 4.1%. Manufacturing is back. These are real jobs. So Pelosi's back to telling us right in front of our eyes, we're watching a 4.1 GDP, right? We're watching jobs coming back to America. We're watching manufacturing coming back. We're watching uh, coal plants firing up again at levels they weren't firing up before. We're seeing, did you, have you guys seen the story before? I, I'm not, I'm not going to get too far off the, off the grain here, but did you see the story about the, uh, the oil boom down in Texas and Louisiana? There are people, there are guys going down there. There, there are these uh, oil rush camps down there. Now, have you seen those stories where they've got these, uh, these temporary housing places where guys have been like leaving their families for a week or two at a time, going down there and making a buttload of money in the oil fields down there. Have you seen that? I mean, because right now we're, our, our oil production is at an all time high. And Nancy Pelosi is still talking about going and we're going to go. We need to put people to work and build bridges and, fill potholes we need more orange cones those worked yeah you remember the obama cones yeah every time he turned around he's like oh there's another obama cone people just people just being put to work for just busying themselves here uh put on this orange vest and and hold these and hold this this slow sign for me and and that's the sum total of their of their economy. Why does my iPad stop when I least needed to? Take glassing to a higher level with the signature another gun spotting scope from Burris. 
Save time and boot leather by finding and evaluating trophy animals from a mountain a away. Scope. The 20 to 60 times magnification, 85 millimeter objective, and HD lenses deliver the clearest picture at any distance. Integrated mounts provide fast and easy target acquisition with the FastFire Red Dot Sight. Burris, find what matters. Yeah, that's another. Um, that's the third ad you had before the explosion. I lost because my 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 iPad regenerated for some reason. Why it does that? It's Apple helping me again. I guess we're Apple and we're here to help. Right in the middle of your show, we're going to restart your iPad. You know why? Because we're Apple and we care. We care about you. We care about your audience. We care about what you're doing. So right in the middle of what you're doing. We've put in a little chip or whatever the hell it is. We put in a little chip in your iPad, and then we're going to turn your iPad off and back on again. Why are you doing that? Well, it saves power, and it also just kind of reminds you uh, that we're in charge and that you're not. And that even though you spent thousands of dollars on your Apple equipment, we're going to still control it for you. And we're not allowing you, you to say effing anymore. It's always going to be ducking because it's to, to protect you because we know you mean ducking. We don't, know, we don't think you mean effing. So we're just going to make that correction for you if you don't mind. Oh, sure, Apple. Thank you. And don't forget, in the middle of your Nancy Pelosi rant, which we think is pretty good, we're going to restart your iPad and you're going to have to start it all over again. Well, you know what? The benefit to that is I get to see my third gun ad right before Nancy Pelosi and MSNBC. Let me see. Shows and Hakeem Jeffries, who honchoed all the Democrats, are four bigger paychecks by building the infrastructure of America, creating good paying jobs. We're seeing we're seeing bigger paychecks and we're seeing great paying jobs right in front of our eyes. So why is it we're listening to Nancy Pelosi going back to that whole pre-President Trump presidency thing about building back our infrastructure. Now, there are things that I'm sure we need to do for the bridges and the roads. But I mean, is this, is this their economy? We're watching our economy organically coming back without the government's help. And, and, and Nancy Pelosi is trying to convince us that we still need the government's help to create jobs. And you all might say, well, the government did help. Well, no, the government's helping by actually reducing its presence. So in the formulation of lower taxes for both corporations and individuals and by uh, rolling back regulations, the government's getting out of the way. So this is not a government-created economy here. This is a without-government-created economy, and we're seeing it happening. It's It's – Doing very well, thank you very much. And Nancy Pelosi, yes, but we need to create an economy that's built on infrastructure and roads and bridges and putting people back to work. It's like we don't, we've already done that. In fact, the first 500 days of the great white devil's reign in the White House, we've managed to do pretty well. Thank you very much. Again, Democrats are for making government work uh, by reducing the role of big, dark money in politics. <laughs> <laughs> this is I, I can't imagine that if you're a Democrat that this is making you happy to hear this. Big dark money. I wonder why she describes the money that way, like big 
dark money. See, little boy, there's big, dark money out there. And eventually it's going to come in a boat, take you away, rip you from your mother's arms, even though you're not a baby. It's going to rip you from your mother's arms and, and then shackle you and make you row. And then when you get to wherever we're taking you, you're not going to be able to eat at the same lunch counter or vote. Yeah. So you better put me back in office so that I can have all of your friends building bridges again, fixing roads, fixing those potholes. All of these are connected because the culture of corruption, cronyism, and incompetence that is prevalent in this. See, she's conducting again. So you can, you can tell that she's trying to remember like all these things that she's needing to bring up. And so she's doing the follow the bouncing ball with her hand. She's, she's, she's conducting again. In this administration. I mean, I, listen, like Kaysen, when he talks, he's waving his arms. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Well, President Trump's going to go to jail. We're all going to go into a van and go follow him and visit him in federal prison. That's not conducting. That's just him getting crazy. Because unfortunately, Kaysen actually believes everything he says. And he doesn't have to kind of remember weirdness. Because uh, he is he is weirdness. I, I love the guy, but he, Pelosi though is such a practiced phony politician that she has to keep doing this to remember dog whistle, racism, baby out of the arms of the young Hispanic lady, roads, bridges, people back to work, paychecks, dark money. It's like it, she's not even. This isn't even cohesive. Take, uh, impedes the ability for us to raise the minimum wage, to clean the air, to reduce the cost of prescription drugs. So we have to be, we have unified in our message. This came from the members and it is being uh, road tested now in August. <laughs> this came from the members. What members, Nancy? You know, the members of our secret liberal society. The members, I know who I, I guess generally she's talking about the members of the what? Democratic Party. This came from the members. She, she acts like she's some kind of like, uh, uh, like there's some kind of, like, a, like some kind of council of wolves or something. It came from the council of wolves. That's where we go. We go on top of a mountain and we, we, we came from the, We're the Council of Wolves, and the lead wolf told us that that's what we're going to do, little boy, to keep you from becoming a slave again. You see, that's what we're doing. You understand? Is the interview over? No, there are six more minutes of this coming. Oh, what am I going to do for six more minutes (laughs) being interviewed by a, a young black man? I'm going to have to come up with more terrifying craziness to talk about that the members have come up with. Those are all coming from the members. You think, how do you think, if, if, if you're like this black dude interviewing her, or you're just somebody out there who's a liberal hoping for whatever, and you're hearing this old lady talking, and, then, and again, nothing against old ladies. Some of my best friends are old ladies. I'm, what I'm saying is, you're listening to some 
30-year entrenched politician talking to you about the members. I mean, how is that for the people? You know, little boy, the members have come up with this. It's been road tested. It's like, can you imagine anything more of a turnoff to people hoping for some future with the with the Democratic Party? Let me get back there a little bit. Let me see. So we have to be we have unified in our message. This came from the members and it is being (laughs) this came from the members. The black guy's going, am I a member? Well, no, no, you're not a member. You're, you're a voter. You're not a member. You see, we members get together and decide what you voters are going to vote on. You see, that's how this whole thing shakes out, you see. We keep you out of the shackles of the white man's slaves, man, masters. That's what we do. Dog whistle people, you know, those people. But no, the members. Road test it now in August as we go forward. Well, I'm very proud of David Cicilline, Sherry Bustos, and Hakeem Jeffries. Who? You think this guy who's interviewing her knows who any of those people are? And I, I, I've, been, I've been like around the block, I think. In terms of my knowledge, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, the sharpest tool in the shed, as they say, or whatever. And I don't know who the hell those people are she just mentioned. You know, the members. Are they members? This black dude's like going, who? (laughs) Dude, I don't blame you because I don't know who the hell they are either. Hold on. Listen, let's see if she goes back. She'll list these people. These are the people. The air to reduce the cost of prescription drugs. So we mm-hmm. have to be. We have unified in our message. This came from the members, and it is being uh, road tested now in August. As we go forward, well, I'm very proud of David Cicilline, Sherry Bustos, and Hakeem Jeffries, who honchoed all of this. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You hear the guy. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have the I wish he had the I wish he had the uh yeah, Father Miller the Star Chamber. I wish he had the guts to say who? I think I've heard the name hacking Jeffries somewhere. These are the people. We're the members, and then these are the honchos. She's explaining who the honchos are now. And keep in mind, black boy, you are just the interviewer voter black boy person. But I'm talking to you about the members and what we've come up with thanks to the honchos, you see. <laughs> this is comical. It's fun. It's and it easy. is being a- it, 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 This is too easy. I'm embarrassed at how easy this is. Administration take, uh, impedes the ability for us to raise the minimum wage, to clean the air, to reduce the cost of prescription drugs. So we have to be, we have unified in our message. This came from the members and it is being uh, road tested now in August as we go forward. Well, I'm very proud of David Cicilline, Sherry Bustos and Hakeem Jeffries who honchoed all of this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not that we. Mm-hmm. See, those are the honchos. I'm trying to get this straight. So you're the black MSNBC interviewer fill-in for Joy Reid. I am Nancy Pelosi, 
And I am part of the memberhood. We're members. And what I just told you was come up, was, was uh, derived and created by the Honshos, who would be Sherry Bustos, Dududos, and Hakeem Jeffries. Uh, I'd like to thank them for all of their hard work. The Honshos, those are the Honshos. So, so far we have a nice little caste system that's been developed in the Democratic Party. You have the members, you have the black fill-in MSNBC interviewers, and the Honshos. Hakeem Jeffries, I thought it was hacky. I don't even, I don't know who those are, people are. Matt does. Matt, you know who all three of those people are, don't you? No, he doesn't know. Nobody knows. No, what we stand for is how do we convey the message? And every day we have a fight. What we have to do is brag about it more. I was this Congresswoman Nita Lowy, our top Democrat on the end. Uh, Who? Who is that? I've never heard of that person. I guarantee you this guy hasn't either, although he's probably more familiar with Democrats than, than, than I am. But I guarantee you that dude doesn't know who that is. Who who she, she keeps dropping all these the message? And every day we have a fight. What we have to do is brag about it more. I was this Congresswoman Nita Lowy, our top Democrat on the uh, Appropriations Committee yesterday. And we were talking about what? <laughs> I mean, this is a. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't. This is the, you know, the, the top Democrat on the Appropriations Committee. Like what? Like 40 times in the last appropriations bill, the Democrats had to fight back some nasty stuff the Republicans had in there that undermined our role to meet the needs of the American people, whether it's the air children breathe, the education uh, that they are entitled to. By the way, do children breathe, breathe different air than I do? Because I'm trying to figure out, like, uh, like uh, – uh, is, is there some other concern about the air children breathe as opposed to the air that I breathe? No, we're trying to protect the air that children breathe. What about the air that I breathe? Well, we'll get around to that, but for now, it's about the children. And then, then the air that black people breathe. We'll have to make sure that the air from – she might as well just say that. We're trying to protect the air and clean the air that black people breathe. And then we'll clean the water that Hispanic people drink. We'll work things out with the committee of honchos. Hakeem Jeffries, Nancy Buchichupu Hoops, and Bachichipukajipuch. And then, of course, don't forget Didi, who is on the appropriations committee. She'll be handling all the rest of the things. You just sit there and look at me while I talk. On MSNBC. You'd be a good boy. Just remember, we're keeping you out of slavery, just so you know. The opportunities for their families. So, what we have to do, and campaigns give us that opportunity, is give clarity to the difference between Democrats and Republicans. Clarity, huh, Nancy? Okay. okay. It's vast. You only need look at the budget. The budget is the statement of our values. Mm -hmm. What's important to a nation should be reflected in how we allocate our resources. This guy's trying to – whoever this interviewer is, he's trying to escape and he can't. 
because he knows he has it. He's four thirty-five. He's got five more minutes of this. Five more minutes. What do the Republicans do? They have a, a scam, a tax scam that gives two trillion, takes us two trillion dollars in debt, steal. You mean you mean this, the tax scam that has created a four point one percent GDP? You mean the the tax scam that is shoveling money back into the treasury? Where, in my opinion, it doesn't still belong. I mean, I'm, I'm all for the GDP, but all all that tells me is that the the federal government's just taking more money in. I, I, but I, I like that from the standpoint of it being good for the economy and good for our budget and good for people. But what it ultimately should be doing is we should be using that added receipt of money to have more tax cuts, deeper ones. Let's go further now because, believe me, the, 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 the government is – Looks like it's on its way to making a profit to a certain degree, thanks to the tax cuts, which is kind of odd, but that's the way it is. And we're not – this debt business that the Democrats are talking about, they're the ones who are putting us in debt. I mean by, by, by ballooning every federal government program they can imagine. From our children's future, putting us deeply in debt, and then the president comes out with a – uh, a budget that says we're going to take $2 trillion from Medicare and Medicaid. So just look. We have to make sure that people see that distinction and the, uh, the opportunity is vast. People are mm-hmm. responding. We intend uh, to win this election. You used a, fr- you used a phrase, culture of corruption. Yes. I had a bit of a, a deja vu moment. That's right. Because- <laughs> Can't wait for this one. Now, it, it's too bad. There was a, for a second there, he was kind of on to something when he asked her about the, the messaging of Democrats. And, and, he, and he sat there and let her go back in time to a day when we talked about infrastructure and having to put up these Rooseveltian WPA projects to put people back to work. And, of course, keep in mind these infrastructure projects – were solely funded by the government. It wasn't going to be a government and private industry pairing that President Trump was talking about for a time. You notice he's kind of backed off the infrastructure stuff because it looks like things are going fine just as it is, and we'll be able to pay for that easily without having to create a – like put, put people to work and give them all the same color uniforms and give them a jackhammer and get out there and do their thing doesn't have to happen anymore. But this idea somehow that, that, that she can get away with that sitting there in front of this guy and then dropping all these names nobody's heard about. I guarantee you nobody's ever heard of those people. And, and, and that's supposed to be the, 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 the great hope of the Democratic Party. Culture of corruption was sort of the mantra in the 2006 midterm campaign when yeah, yeah, you you remember that, don't you? Keep in mind, everything Nancy Pelosi is talking about happened back in the day. She's she's hinging the hopes of the Democratic Party in November of 2018 on something Mitch McConnell said about President Obama 
in 2010. And now she's going back and borrowing phrases that even that interviewer has noticed. Um, I think that's from 2006. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's right, little boy. It's from 2006, back when I don't even think blacks were allowed to vote back then until we took power. Democrats retook the House of Representatives. Compare the culture of corruption that Democrats were campaigning against in 2006 versus the culture of corruption that Democrats are campaigning against in 2000. What what culture of corruption that Democrats are campaigning against? You mean the corruption of the of the FBI higher echelon, the corruption of the NSA, the corruption of the media? Where where is the government corruption we're seeing right now? What are they inventing the collusion story again? What is this? Oh, I can't wait. Well, the, we again, then and now, that was part of our message. At the time, we were also fighting President Bush's attempt to privatize Social Security. So that was our main theme. And then the culture of corruption, because people were being indicted and, and subpoenaed and the rest. And then along came oh. Katrina, where you had... Oh, my goodness. This is... You're not, you're not really going to go back to Katrina, are you? Yes, I am. Because uh, President Bush, as Claire McCaskill said, left people on their roofs to die, black people on their roof. Remember Katrina? Hey, little black boy, do you remember Katrina? Yes, that was devastating, wasn't it? How did it feel to have President Bush in an airplane with a picture of him flying over... New Orleans, while black people drowned by the hundreds when they, were, when they weren't enslaved by white Republican devils. They were being drowned like rats. Remember those days? Katrina. Katrina. Confederate monument. Remember those days? Do you? Some, somebody's college roommate heading up FEMA, incompetence, and a man-made disaster a natural disaster. We're going back. What is his name? Brown? Good job, Brownie. That guy? What is it? A trip through, through memory lane with, with Nancy Pelosi. Oh, I remember those days. Oh, yes. When, when the guy from FEMA, she's, she, she's now, see, if we keep bringing up that man from FEMA who was somebody's college roommate, drowning black cherubs, in New Orleans, for sure there would be a blue wave in November, of course. It came exacerbated as a man-made disaster, and the president's numbers went down. We won the election. In this case, it's a very similar situation. Oh, it is, is it? Can't wait to hear this similar situation to Katrina and the man from FEMA and black people drowning like rats. Except it's so much more into the executive branch, President, uh, President Trump's cabinet and the rest. And, and every day, that culture of corruption, cronyism, and incompetence stands in the way of stopping the pollution of air. In fact, you guys heard that, right? That the president's cabinet and on and on. Is, is stopping is stopping us from 
helping the pollution of the air. I mean, let me go back. And I that, that was just, that was so, and, and so surprising. Day, that became exacerbated as a man-made disaster. And the president's numbers right. went down. We won the election. In this case, it's a very similar situation, except it's mm -hmm. so much more into the executive branch. President uh, President Trump's cabinet and the rest. And, and every day, that culture of corruption, cronyism, and incompetence stands in the way of stopping the pollution of air. <laughs> the air that black children breathe, you see, black boy on MSNBC. The, the cabinet, uh, you know, uh, the, oh, all the pe people in the cabinet are preventing us from doing something about the air that black children breathe, you see. Promoting it, the water our kids drink, safety of the food they eat. What is this? I mean, so let me get this straight, Nancy. I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to figure this out here. So let me, I, and, and these guys, I don't know what they're doing here, but th this is like the biggest waste of time. These guys are just like, she's just like filibustering. And she, and she, she's probably wishes this were like some other network where they, they had time limitations. Uh, how, how much longer is this interview going to go, young man? <laughs> that's what you, you get the sense that, that she's that, that she's like begging for some some release from this interview. Stopping. Uh, Let me go back here. Let me go. Back. Numbers went down. We won the election. In this case, it's a very similar situation, except it's so much more into the executive branch. President uh, President Trump's cabinet and the rest. And, and every day. That culture of corruption, cronyism, and incompetence stands in the way of stopping the pollution of air. In mm -hmm. fact, promoting it. The water our kids drink, safety of the food they eat. So the president's cabinet and everyday corruption and cronyism is polluting our air and hurting the food supply? I mean, this, and this guy who's interviewing her... How can how can you not intervene on this and, and say what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and, and really, what in the end, what it shows is such disrespect for even Democrat voters because she's just bullcrapping through all of this thing. You, you you can't possibly decipher what she's trying to say here, and you can't certainly can't believe that this is any kind of cohesive message for them to take over Congress. Stopping uh, the increase in prescription drug prices, the list goes on and on. So there's a, a very little clarity now in the, in the uh, obstacle that their culture of corruption is doing to impede better policy. Right. Well, well let's talk about... Let's yeah, the guy's like, please, I, 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 I'm, I'm, my head is about to explode. Can we move on here? Now, keep in mind, just as a, just as a matter of fact regarding the increase in prescription drug prices, uh, first of all, that's wrong. That's not a result of anything the Trump administration is doing. And in fact, President Trump is one of the first people in a long time in the White House who has talked about the harmful effects of skyrocketing drug prices. And did you know that there used to be a time when, for instance, generic drugs 
were ultimately going to be the savior because generic drugs are out there and therefore they're much less expensive than the prescription, the regular brand name drugs. And so then the generic drugs would be great. When generic drugs hit the market, it was fantastic because you're able to get a different price on a drug that would have the same effects as the name brand drug. So Pfizer would be $100 more expensive than generic drug would be. And that was perfect until President Obama came along. And then what President Obama did and his FDA and that that gang there, and this is kind of into the weeds a little bit because I'm, I'm done with her. I'm not going to – there's uh, – oh my gosh, there's another three minutes of this. This has been an eternity. But anyway, they decided that they were going to change the way these generic drug makers applied for their permits to do the drugs, make the drugs. And so what they did was they made the permitting process just as expensive as or in the application process because of all the paperwork and because of all the red tape, they made it more just as expensive to apply and get permits for a generic drug as it was to apply and get permits for a name brand drug. So the generic drug companies couldn't uh, compete because it was it, whatever money they were saving, whatever things that they were re- able to reduce their costs. For you, they were having to make up in expenditures to, to go through the application process. So what do, you, what do you think happened? Well, the generic drug makers are like, screw this. We're not, why do this when our applications and our paperwork is just as expensive for us to get our generic drug on the market as it is for these guys to get the name brand drug on the market? So guess what happened? the number of generic drugs and thus competition dwindled, went out, left to where the bigger drug companies, the name brand ones, were the ones who survived. Thus, no change in drug prices thanks to the Obama administration and its overreaching government intervention in terms of permitting and applications. That's just a fact. And so skyrocketing prescription drug prices didn't have to be able to – didn't have to be the way they are now. Generic drugs were supposedly the key, but even as Linda points out, the generic drug makers weren't able to compete. So they stopped making them because, again, if you're spending gobs of money – and you're just like Pfizer and you're spending money – Pfizer has a lot more money to burn – in the application process than a generic drug maker does. So they just said, forget it. There. So now you're stuck with that. Anyway, that's that's a little bit of the uh, truth serum injected into this thing. But yeah, this has been uh, pretty enlightening. Nine minutes of it, Breitbart. And if I were you, I'd do a couple things uh, if you had some time today. Uh, push that little circle on there, up there. At Breitbart, every time you see it, and you'll see three, four, every time you do it, you'll see a different gun ad right before Nancy Pelosi and MSNBC, and then work your way through the MSNBC interview if you'd like. But that's that's your that if that's the blueprint for the blue wave, 
in November, then bring it on because November is going to be fun and enlightening. That's for sure. All right, folks. Uh, let me get my. Let me get my. I'm sorry, and then I'm always. I'm always get caught up in this, and uh, in my little thing here. Gotta get my uh, David Byrne, my my cue music. I gotta figure out something else here about this. You guys don't care, though, do you? Speaking of insurance and health, don't forget Naputi Wellness, NaputiWellness.com. Dr. Eric Naputi, thank you so much for your support of this endeavor. And thank you so much for the leg lamp, which has now been returned to us and we found it again. It's busy for a while, and it's back. Also, don't forget my friends over at Mattress King. One Mattress King on Facebook, where you can find it. Going to have uh, Chris Kane Talk to us about these awesome mattresses. I want to ride to the ridge where the ones come and That's why I'm blowing your ears out, people. Mattress King, by appointment only, this week, 636-698-5167. Give them a call, make an appointment. Least expensive mattresses you're going to find anywhere in the land and highest quality you'll find about a few things we're going to change up. It's great offers for you. One Mattress King on Facebook. Also, don't forget about Matthew Mitchell, my insurance agent. Car, home, life. And great rates for young people. The best in town with the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. 855-QUOTE-ME. 855-QUOTE-ME. The Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. Thanks for your support of Radio Free Almond. Talk to you tomorrow morning. Gonna have my friend Kim Harris in. Oh, yeah. Go way back in the Tea Party movement and beyond. She's doing some fantastic work on behalf of Common Sense. Also, has a funny new business that we're gonna talk about, too. It's cool. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.